Good morning, my bodacious brothers and my absolutely gorgeous little honey bunnies. Hello. It's Nushi and Joey here this morning. Um, just wanted to let you know we have an incredible podcast today with William Lifestyle, a.k.a. William J. Deb Smith, a.k.a. my mentor, my brother. I can't express enough how much love and gratitude I have for this man. We're going to get right into it. Just wanted to let the listeners know that from about 21 minutes to 51 minutes, there's a slight snap, crackle, pop. You're going to hear a little bit, but this story is literally too big to let anything get in the way. So without further ado, enjoy this incredible podcast with William J-Dub Smith. Bow. Ah. Uh, mama. Mama. We made it! What it, what it, what it do Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, we have William J. Dub Smith in the motherfucking building. The legend. Uh uh, what up, what up, what up, what up? He truly is a legend, though. To me, J-Dub has literally been one of the most pivotal forces in my life. It started off as a cadet in the military, (laughs) the type of relationship it started off at, right? And then I joined his SEAL Team 6 after I almost died. (laughs) I tell your friends. I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. in Men of Honor, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here with us, Dub. Thank you, thank you. And even more so... I'm excited that we we have the ability on this platform to really go through your story and your journey. And the reason why I say that is because to me to me and I know for a lot of people you are such a strong force not only culturally but just like from a community standpoint, right? And I I've been able to have discussions with you and know that your story is 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 way more intricate than a lot of people know or understand but what they see is the accumulation of that and who you become and how you're such a dominant force and a connector within this realm so this is really going to be a treat baby baby that's a good intro that's a hell of an intro man shit i don't even know if i want to say anything (laughs) (laughs) we're done all right y'all thank you so much that was great thanks thanks for being here to listen to this thanks for watching me blink yeah um but Let's start here because I know that you grew up in a military household um, yep. and and you moved around a lot as a kid. Like, let's let's start there. Let's start with young Doug. <laughs> that dude? That dude. <laughs> Man, that was, um, that was an interesting dude because that was an interesting time in life. Like, um, you know, since you've known me, it's um, I've been like a real, I'm definitely a people person. Mm. But I definitely move around by myself a lot. Yeah. And I put a lot of things on my own shoulder because, you know, growing up in a very dominant military family, being that my entire heritage is pretty much military. Mother, grandparents, their parents, like it's it's all military until it came down to my cousins and I, uh, which was three of us. And none of us joined the military. Yeah. You know, when it, it reached a tipping point. Oh, it hit that tipping <laughs> point. I was like, I ain't doing this shit. And um, I, ju- I just remember going to school where, you know, now everyone's so connected with like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. We didn't have that, you know, kind of date myself. But 
we didn't have that capability or that was never an option. So for me, when I knew you, it was literally just those moments. There, there was no long-term connection because, you know, we were kids. We weren't writing letters to each other, no shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I would, I would know people for two years, sometimes three. And then I was off to another country or I was gone to another state. What was that like for you as a kid? Man, it, it was the toughest thing. It's um, as an adult now. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it was maybe a strong, independent individual. But at the same time, going through it as a child and you don't know the benefits of it, mm. it's it's very tough because, yeah. you know, your parents are definitely your support system. But as you grow older and wiser, the people that you become friends with, the people that you, you know, become acquaintances with, that's your foundation. Those are your yeah. life lessons. Yeah. And it was a benefit that I had so many yeah. But then it was a burden and it, it, it was like, you know, it, it, it pained my soul for a long time because I wouldn't know anyone, I, you know, and, and now you see people grow up with everyone. I didn't grow up with one person. There's no one that has grown up with me beside my family that has known me from a child till now. That's, That's a crazy thought. That's insane. You know? Let me ask you. Well, it, it's, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Go I'm, ahead. I just, I'm like blown away by that because you hear about that. Look, I grew up, I know the same people since I was four years old from, <laughs> from kindergarten to fucking high school and college. Wow. The exact same school, everything, the whole way up. I and, wish. And those are like my bonds. Like I think about my social circle now. That's what it is. It's, it's still like that core kind of group. And when I hear people that come from military families that go from, you know, one to another, to another, to another, it's like the second you start to actually have a connection or have like a real tie with somebody, you're torn apart from it. And without any social media, it's got to be fucking yeah. torturous. You're, you're literally violently ripped from it. Yeah. Wow. A tear you can take back up, bond it, mend it. <sighs> this shit is, it's, it's ripped because as a child, you know, Time prep was never a factor. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, your parents woke you up at a certain time. You had to be at school a certain time. You're done at school every single day. At the same time, there was a, a simple routine. And when you're part of this military family as a kid to where you don't have a voice or you don't have a say and, you know, you can't tell your parents that you're going to feel this way because you don't even know you're going to feel this way. This yeah. type of like emptiness and this type of like. Well, do you I even just, know what that is at that point? No, man. It, or is it, it just like a, a tear? It, it it was literally it it was it was it it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because you know we just went to school Monday to Friday, and you know we you guys are all making plans on doing sleepovers and playing sports. I'm getting ready to go on a flight to Germany. You know how that shape your identity? Like, do you, did you ever feel? you could kind of um, be a new person every time you move or, you know, uh, friends, when you grow up, friends and the people around you really shape who you are, what you're into, the trends that are going on, the culture that you're on, uh, that you're around. Uh, and when you're, when you're moving around so many different things drastically, even from state to state, city to city, you know, um, a person who grows up in the suburb versus someone who's very much in the city have two completely different identities yeah you know uh you're tied to certain things your roots are in different places how do you you know with you not even having real roots anywhere what does that do to you is is how you kind of see yourself um it it it, it definitely 
changed me. It, 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 it made me become a certain type of person to where you now, at, at, at my age now and where I'm at now, you can throw me in any scenario and I'll figure it out. Give me five, ten minutes. It's you know I'll be able to I'll be able to swim with the best of them that are in there. Yeah. You know you throw me in a room with anyone, I'll figure it out eventually, within that time frame that's necessary and needed for that, so that it's not a uncomfortable experience or I'm not that odd person out unless I choose to be. You have to be able to assimilate. You have to be able to assimilate, man. It 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 creates and integrate. Yeah, both. But it, it creates a person who is capable of walking away and moving into anything and trying anything, which is a very scary individual at yeah, some point. Absolutely. Because, you know, if some shit's not popping off, it's not working. It's like, oh, let's can this. Or say if this project doesn't work out, it's, it's, it's a failure. And, and we see that because we, we've calculated so many scenarios like this. Yeah. You scrap it. You start over. It's an easy scrap, though. It's an easy scrap. There's no attachment. There's no mental bond. Or, sorry, emotional bond. Yeah. But knowing that now as an adult, it makes you, you know, when it comes to, like, relationships and, and friendships, when I have those and when I find those, the ones that I want to keep, I value those more than anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, a true friendship for me is more valuable than money and anything, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, you know, like my cousin, you know, love him to death. JR, that was my best friend, which is, it's totally fine, but that's my family member. We're supposed to be anyway, you know, I wanted to meet kids that I was going to grow up with and stuff like that. And I'd say that didn't happen to me until actually maybe high school. Wow. Did your, did your parents like, sit you down and, and discuss with you like look we're moving again it's a great question we, we, we have to we, we have to go or was it in that household it's like it's understood was it, it discussed or was it just understood as when i was very young yeah it was it, it was kind of like understood but i wouldn't i wouldn't have any like lead time up to it like i remember the first time it it, it really happened it's um i met my stepdad for the first time so I don't know my pops. Right. So I met my stepdad for the first time. My mom was in Germany and I was actually staying in Oakland. And um, mom shows up maybe like say Wednesday, Thursday, that Friday. I was asleep at my grandmother's house. And I remember being um, abruptly woken up, taken into our in our car and literally taken to the airport. And that was my transition from Oakland to Germany. How I recall Oakland it. to Germany. Yeah. <sighs> Crazy. How old were you there? Um, I think that was um that was fifth and sixth grade. Oh shit. Yeah. So you aware enough to be like, wait, what the hell oh, is absolutely. going on? Yeah, right it was now? it was just crazy, you know. Then you wake up in a foreign fucking land, know nothing, language nothing. Completely at the start. Wow. Yeah. How long were you in Germany for? Um we stayed in uh, Frankfurt, Germany for two years. Lived in a place called Wiesbaden, which is right outside of Frankfurt. Stayed there for two years. Um, you know, lived on the army. Well, we lived off the army base, but I went to school on the army base. So I was with, I was always with kids that had the same experience. Mm-hmm. 
But then it was weird for us. It was kind of like, why even waste the time to get to know each other? Because we're going to wow, be... Wow, shit. Y'all already knew that. We, we knew that after... Once it, you do your first trip, you realize it. Because everyone has the same story. Yeah. Like, oh, where are you from? Oh, man, I'm from San Diego, but... You know, I was there last week and now I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. It's like you almost don't have a place where you're from. No. I mean, you know, Roots, definitely embedded from the Bay, represent the Bay all yeah, day, yeah, Oakland. Yeah. And that, that's that's always home. That's where my family's at and everything. But, you know, growing up-wise, nah. Yeah. You know, I've lived in L.A. This is the longest place I've lived somewhere. And I've been out here since 2000, so 16 years. Wow. Yeah. So you go from Germany to um from germany then i came back for the summer you know after after the two years i would like we'll put it this way every year you know when summertime hit i would come back to the u.s um you know i would see my cousins and the friends that i would have which majority of them were his yeah um and you know we'd stay the two three months after summer then right back overseas um so i remember after the two years in germany then came back uh did summer in the Bay, and then ended up in Fort Polk, Louisiana. What was that like? Man, that, that was... Um, that had to be a culture shock, like, outside of even Germany, I feel like. Yeah, because it, it, it was, you know, you really saw... <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to Louisiana, but, like, we know where we're going here. Now, I, mean, I remember in, in Louisiana, that was the first time, you know, you, you, read all, you always read about race and slavery and everything, but to be immersed in the south during this time i had never had anyone ever call me a nigger with uh ill will you know or malice until i was there wow you know um and and i think this was like either seventh grade or either eighth grade we're walking off base we're going to dairy queen and right off of fort polk there was one walking distance and I remember um, a truck full of white dudes came out and said, niggers go home. No way. Wow. And it was mind boggling. What, what was going through your head there? It was, it was, it was the, f- I mean, of course I knew what it meant. Yeah, of course. But I had yeah, never yeah. been a recipient yeah. of, of that term with malice. Yeah. And it was, it, it was shocking because I didn't know what to feel. I, I, I was scared. I was nervous. But at the same time, I didn't know what was. Were you alone? Were you with? No, I, w- I was with my mom and my dad. Oh, and we were close enough to the base where the MPs actually saw it. So they approached. And then, you know, I, I just remember my mom, my pops, like pretty much putting me behind them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, luckily it got diffused quickly. But it, it was it was it was an ill feeling. You know, mm. I, I would never want someone to have that that experience. Jesus. You know, so it, it, it was an eye opener. You know, that, that shit that you read about in books was, was How long real. did you have to endure Louisiana for? <laughs> so, yeah, seriously, it was third world country over here. Um, Louisiana was a, was a two-year stint also, okay. seventh and eighth grade. And then, you know, came back, um, would come back for the summers. You know, I would tell my, my cousins all the, the crazy shit that yeah. would happen. And, you know, they're from the Bay and, you know, California by itself. That's such a diverse yeah. uh diverse state and just you know people there is all about like love freedom like like just positive like vibes and shit yeah out there man it, it was such a divide color was such a factor that's insane to me bro. you know and in and, and having the opportunity of, of traveling the world and to see how 
majority of countries always try to embrace, you know, our American culture, African-American culture. You know, it, you felt such love, but then to come back home, come back to the U.S. and to experience such, like, hatred toward you just being a, a certain color. Yeah. Was, I mean, it was surreal. It was, it, it was nasty, man. It, it was like, an ugly feeling. Growing up, did you ever have, like, discussions or arguments with your parents as you started to get to, like, a, a, a level of just where you were able to put these thoughts into, I want to say, just, like, profound... Uh, you were able to express them well, where you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why do we keep moving? What are we doing here? When can we ever stabilize? Is that going to happen? Like, because these thoughts are brewing, Yeah. Right? Was that spoken about? Did that get? Um, I mean, that 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 didn't get a lot of voice, you know, because at, at the time, you know, being brought up like that, everything was, you know, it, it was what it was. Yeah. You know, it, it was such a system now that it made sense to me. That was part of, you know, what I expected. Yeah. So I knew, you know, if we hit it off today, I knew two years from now, I am not going to see you again. And so it just became um, it just became a way of life. You know, after two years, you know, you hit the restart button, do it all over again. So it made me become extremely, extremely open-minded about everything. Oh, you know, and, and, and taking taking each moment for what it is. Because, yeah. you know, it could be taken away from you. Mm. You know? And, and so you for, saw it as, uh, it became a blessing of sorts. Uh. It did, but not, not until I got older, though. Okay. You know, I'd, I'd say when I did Japan, when, when I went to Japan, and that's, that's where I went to high school at, that's where I was like, man, I, I really, really just thought like, dude, this is actually a, a hell of an opportunity that I've been given. Granted, some of the things were fucked up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it, it was... It was an opportunity because I remember every time I would I would show back up in the states, people were just so curious. I'm like, yeah. dude, how's this part of the world? And that's what people were saying. Like, how's this part of the world? It, it was a, it was an idea that a a dude from Oakland, you know, what the hell am I doing in Germany? Yeah, in Oakland, th there wasn't a lot of dudes that that were like that were like me or looked like me that did that. You know, if they weren't in the military, normal kids didn't do that. No, you know, so to to civilians. Um, it you know it was story time, you know. So I would just sit, you know, like with, with the homies and stuff, and we would just talk, and I I would just be downloading all these stories and these places that I knew that they would probably never get the opportunity to see that, and so yeah. they lived vicariously vicariously through me, you know. So I be I became like a portal to every and anything outside of Oakland to people, and I used to like just share the stories and like. You know, pretty much the my travels with the kids that I did know that I did play baseball with and shit. Yeah. You know, I was always the cousin that traveled. You know, <laughs> that's what incredible. Was, what was high school in Japan like? Man, high school in Japan, <laughs> that was awesome. Because it's such like high school is like the most formative time. Mm -hmm. I feel like where you know you it's just that's when you can start having like real aspirations and and, and you're becoming a teen teenager. You're getting some independence. You're feeling like. And doing that in such a place that it's so different and far away. Oh man, it was honestly. I always told people that, you know, when I, when I did finish my time there, when I first came back to the U.S., I always thought I was like, man, 
if I could hop on this flight right now and go back and nothing was there, I could accept that. Really? It was, it was such, it was such a, a dream of a life out there in Japan. In what way? So, um, and in many ways for me, so, uh, when I first started out in Japan, you know, I played football. It was like just super football, just jock. I was all in just sports and academics. And was that that was like they had a good football programs out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no, <laughs> everyone always asks that question. <laughs> like we just played against a bunch of Japanese dudes. <laughs> like, are you aspiring to be on the Raiders right now? <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> hey, no, nah, it, it was real out there. I mean, <laughs> so like to break Were down there areas like Texas in there. And then, like, <laughs> So you just don't hear that. Out of no, I know. So, so the thing about when you're when you're in military schooling, you are mixed with like handpicked kids mm. that do come from everywhere in the U.S., everywhere around the world. Got it. And you know, depending on what service your your parents were in, like you know, my parents were in the army, so um, we were on this base called like Zama. Then there's like Air Force, which was Yokota. Then, you know, Navy, so forth and so on. So there was all these American schools that were out there mm -hmm. and there were oh, also international wow. schools. So we, we had like our divisions and stuff. I mean, we'd probably have like what, maybe seven games during yeah. the season because there was only that many schools yeah. to play against. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was dope, man. It, it was it was a hell of a time. And, you know, it, it, it was some fun times, man, because it was a real you really saw like a community of, of just all people that you saw like on like the type of people you see on TV, like on like Friday night lights yeah, where you'd see like stadiums filled with like just people cheering. I actually got to see that there. And that culture is really active. Oh man. Super active. It was, they, they, them Japanese watching American sports. You felt like you were playing in the pros, man. <sighs> you know, we had dope stadiums that we played high school games at. You know, you had like the lights and everything like that. So it was, it, it, it was awesome, and it was the closest thing of what American like sports yeah. were. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it was dope. You felt really connected, and so that felt like a real sense of what home, the idea of home, would mm. be like. And you know, and we all felt that way. You know, and um, I mean, it, it it was it was really it was a really exciting time because you know being black and Japanese, there weren't that many black and Japanese kids yeah. there. And I was able to speak Japanese. I learned it. You know, my grandmother taught me uh, how to write hiragana and katakana when I was You're a kid. You're a unicorn at that point. like Unicorn, dude. It was, it was amazing. So I was able to talk to Japanese kids and also I had Japanese and American friends. So going off base and like, you know, seeing, you know, seeing their buildings and like walking down in Tokyo. Yeah. You know, going down to Shibuya, like just going shopping and going eating. It was such a vibrant, colorful, like welcoming of me yeah. to that culture. Dude, and I you were able to plug way. in. Oh, yeah. Totally plugged in. It was like, yo, download everything you want. Pretty much just take this culture with you. I speak all of you. I speak yeah. all of y'all's language. Not only am I seeing this, experiencing it, but I'm plugged in. I could talk to anybody. Man. See, I didn't know you were black and Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, that just changed. When the I'm whole tired, the, the the eyes go back a little bit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a little nuances. <laughs> so th this is amazing. So I mean, that just opened me up because it's like, oh, okay, you're black and Japanese. This is going right into like part of your your deep rooted culture. Yeah, mm. hell yeah. Where you, can, where you can really just um, 
you know, you'll kind of let loose and also, but also grab onto something, latch onto something that you feel instantly connected to. A hundred percent. At that time in life too. This is high god, school. This is high school, like, man. This world's amazing. This is high school. Like, oh my god, I'm dreading it. Like this is high school, and it lit up. It lit because the fuck you, up. You could have gone to <laughs> to any other country, and you don't have that instant sense of nah, connection. But just this was instant home, man. Yeah, I felt home like home and the motherland of sorts. Yeah, and just your ability to just thrive instantly is just. And and you know what? I honestly did. I honestly did. It, it was the most comfortable I had ever been at that time. Like I just felt like I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. Shit, man. Wow. <laughs> no joke. No. From all, from all of those hardships to like now I found somewhere yes. where I belong. This is the icing on the cake. Mm. But it did come to like a, you know, a bittersweet end because I didn't get to finish high school there. Oh, God. Yeah. Midway through my senior year in high school, I had to get I had to transfer out because my parents were retiring. Oh wow! Yeah, and you couldn't just the, be like, the chapter look, finally. The chapter finally closed. The I'm, old, I'm, I'm old enough. Just give me like six more months. Dude, I got this. No shit. I ran away from home <laughs> <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> Yo, so yeah, it, it shit got wild in Japan, man. I mean, that was the first time I, I had a drink. That was the first time I, um, you know, went to like a, a high school party. Yeah, you know, first time I had like girlfriends and shit. Yeah. You know, um, that shit out there. I I end up being like a young Tyson Beckford. I did. <laughs> Dude, I, I did model life, model life, model life. I was I was skipping class, and I was um, I ran into my homegirl Valerie Morshigi. She was getting picked up by the agency that she was rep by. Shout out, Valerie. T- <laughs> Shout out to Valerie. <laughs> and um, I remember, I'm, I'm just skipping class with her. I'm chilling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, her agent person that picks her up was like, yo, man, do you mind? I was like, man, I'm not down for that bullshit. Yeah. I, I was just all football. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. And then she was like, no, I think, you know, I think you do good in it. Valerie was like, yeah, you should try it. So I had no idea what this world was like. Yeah. Right? So I remember... I go down, they take a couple pictures. So I'm like, oh, cool. So uh, this modeling shit start now? Like, when's yeah. the first job? And they're like, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. I was like, man, fuck this. You're like, wait, there's no check? <laughs> so I, I, was, I was bummed. And then I remember, you know, two, three months pass. No action. I was like, man, that was such a waste of time. Yeah. Then I remember getting a call. Campaign status over here. I did an Adidas campaign. <laughs> Well, I had a little afro. <laughs> the Kaepernick? Yeah, I had the Kaepernick. <laughs> I, had, I had the Kaepernick before K made it hot again. And um, I was all on, like, billboards and magazines and Yo. shit. Wait. Yo, it, 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 was, it was crazy. What was that like for you, though? As a kid, I mean, it, it was, you know, it, it was dope. I didn't know how big it was. Word, word, okay. So I remember there was like, yeah, it's, it's okay. going to be in magazine and on some posters. Yeah. Right? It was like, oh, okay, cool, dope. Mom, like, signed a contract, whatever. I made some money. As a kid, like, this was a lot of dough at the time, you know? Straight up. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, shit. Then I remember going off base with my friends and actually seeing it. What was that like? It was crazy because I was definitely very identifiable. Yeah. And, you know, we would be on on, on the trains, and you look up, and I'm literally standing under a banner of myself. And it, it was my, I think my, I think my guy's name was Kyle. I'm not sure on his name, Kyle but. Kyle Kaepernick. 
this guy, um, this white dude that was from my school, he was also in the campaign with me. Word. So we were both on that. And it was, that dude, it, it was major. Like pulling models out. In <laughs> it was, it was super major. And I still have copies of that shit to this day. I need to see that. I've never uh, seen that. Oh man, it's a gem. Andres has seen it. Oh wow. <laughs> so it's real. That's hot. 100% real. So I, um, it, it was just so crazy because they, you know, that's the black dude from the thing, and people would really like Yo. point and stare, you know. And doing a campaign in Japan, man, that's equivalent to doing, you know, a, a movie here. Oh, that's yeah, it's huge. Oh, it huge. was it was nuts, you know. And then I, after that, did Adidas. Um, there was one for this thing called Bickle, which was the Japanese version of uh, Yuhu. Of you, the chocolate drink. Yo, get it. Get it. <laughs> Is it kosher or dill, dog? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I almost wait, spit on so, the wait, so Bickle was the the Japanese version of Yuhu? Yeah, it was pretty much. So was that. it like enjoy a bickle? Like Yuhu was oh, catchy, bro. but like I don't think I'd ever like bro, Yo, this... can you grab me one of the bickles, please? Man, this bickle thing was so funny bickle because team? You know, like Japanimation, they they it, it was actually shot for a commercial, and I remember <laughs> I'm dribbling, and then I jump, and so then they show me just like flying in the air, like like Yo. bad graphics behind it. Bickle, Bickle gave up. you wings before Red Bull, and did, then bro. I got my shit slapped, like I got my <laughs> shit blocked. <laughs> and the dude who blocked me, he was drinking the Bickle. <laughs> Off the bickle. The bickle oh gave you wings, bro. God. Wait, so he was blocking you and sipping the bickle? He had like, just... Y'all were mid-air and he's got a bickle? No, dude. If you got a ball? He literally drank the bickle and then then hopped into the oh game and then slapped God. my shit out. He became Vince Carter with the oh, bickle. Oh, bro. Like, it was so bickle. funny. Bickle put the kid on TV for the first That's time. Lit. <laughs> were you a principal? Principal? <laughs> we know about that. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, man. That 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 was that was all part of Japan. And what that feel like though? Because like you young, it, it, you, you the black and East dude in Japan, bro. Yo, you know you knew you you had the flex. You were rock starring it. You were rock starring it. Like, you know, I, I I would save up all my money, and that's when Cross Colors was popping. Kanai oh. was the shit. The filas with the white tops with the uh, solid color bottoms. Yeah. that was everything. Yeah. So I used to save all my money, come back to the U.S. By hell across colors and shit, oh, super shit. color coordinated. <laughs> Come out there. I'd have like about 10 outfits, all money blown. <laughs> but I was that dude. At, at that great. time, was Japan as, as forward in terms of fashion, music, oh, art, culture? By far. And, and, and. Like, did they have the cross colors you came back with like a year before and they're like, oh, you cool though? No, 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 no. What the stuff I had. They got it after. Mm. The music that I would bring back, they'd get it after. Wow. But out there, the songs that they did have of ours, you'd hear like 90 different remixes of some shit you would never you never heard of. <laughs> but they were dope though. They were super dope. Um, but nah, man, it, it was if that that was flexing then, cross colors and canais and yeah. felas. Oh, canais. Oh, dude. That Stop that man. was and you know, that's when I first went to a club. What was that like out there? Man, we used to go. Um, oh God! You like you had to be. I'm just gonna say you had to be getting all the attention. You black in Japan. Oh, black and in you Japan. black in these. Yes, right? and you play football. Yep, right? and you're damn good. 
Yep. You just happen to be a model too. <laughs> it All worked out. Commercials drinking bickles left and right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It Getting was casting bickle campaigns and shit. It was. It was crazy. What was that like? Because you you have that aura now, right? Yeah. Like the the beauty about you is there's such like cats that know you know it, it, it's wild to understand like you growing up that way and appreciating relationships that well because you have a very like empathetic interior. I wouldn't even say soft, but empathetic interior, right? right? But you are also you do also know what you want and and make that decision whether it's cutthroat or not, which also plays back into that because you're able to leave something quick, detach very fast. Indeed, right? But. Were you super swagging out on on the Jamie Fox and fucking uh, what, 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 what's the what's the football movie, bro? With Al Pacino, uh, any given Sunday, any given Sunday, like just on swag level, or or was it like, no. what was that like? Because you have a rock star persona now. I want to know if you were just taking flight then, or if it was like smooth playlistic in high school. It it, it was smooth. It, it was smooth. It was low key in high school, man. Got I it. wasn't. Because at, at that same time, I was still reserved. Even though I felt, like I said, I felt like I was supposed to be there. Yeah. It just always, you just always at had any this. Given moment, any given moment, you could be gone. Boom, it could be gone. Right. You know, so that always kept me a little That's reserved. A trip, though, to like not be able to relish it fully because oh, you know man. it could be taken away. But you know, that's at, at the same moment, though, you sh- should have relished in it because you knew it was going to fucking yeah, be gone. You it, yeah. yeah. You know, the, you and, know, uh, behind size twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. I mean, shit. Had I been older then, yeah. You know, <laughs> 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 shit. If I could go back, let me ask you this. Let's dive into football. Yeah. Were you playing football throughout your like young life, or was it you got thrown into football? How how sports come into play? Well, growing up in California, you know, or starting off in California, yeah. Baseball was life. Mm. You know, Oakland A's, that was on our TV every single game we caught if yeah. we weren't there. Me, my cousin JR, and Grandpa would take us out there. Grandpa used to be cheap as fuck because he would get us, like, one Slurpee. <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa. And like a, <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa. And like, a bag of, like, popcorn or something. Yeah. And we had to split that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we had to split that. Yo, y'all give Gramps a side eye, like, bro, really? Yo, Gramps used to make us split that shit, man. And uh, we used to hate that, but we loved baseball so much, and that, and that was that was like our bonding time. Yeah. And you know, we played um, we played in the BVs in Alameda, um, played baseball in every league there. Shit, J- uh, Jimmy Rollins was on our team back then. Wow. Yeah, played with him as a kid. Wow. Alameda, man, that that was that was fun time. What position did you play as a kid? Um, I was third, uh, third shortstop, and then left field. Lit. Yeah, man. That 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 was some great times. Thought I was gonna be Ricky Henderson one day. Yeah. <laughs> so what was what was the transition in sports as, as a youth? How did football come to the picture, or was that just natural transition? Did you do track also? You play ball like what? So I, I played everything, man. Like in Europe, I played uh, played soccer, played baseball in Oakland. Played started playing football in Louisiana. You know that's that was yeah. that was where football came from yeah. for me. Mm. Um, and then track and field. Came in, I'd say, uh, my junior year out in Japan because, you know, it was just something to do. Yeah. You know, there was hot chicks, seasons too. Seasons are different, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was different seasons. So, you know, I uh, started there just running right there. And then I, I really loved it. Track wasn't my main focus. Uh, football was. 
But then when I came back to the U.S., you know, midway through um, my senior year, I blew out my ankle. Where'd you come back to in the U.S.? Um, I came. I, I came back to Oakland. I went to was, Skyline. Was fo- was football something that in, being in Japan you were because you were going to go to college? Then, yeah, right? yeah. Was was it something that being out there you got the exposure to where you loved it so much and you knew you, knew you wanted to take it next level? Were you being recruited like that? Oh man, I had college recruitment letters. I still have a box of those from when I played in Japan. So I I initially thought really? I was going to go to school playing football. Yeah, uh, U.S. school. Yeah. See, yeah, I was going to ask you that, being in Japan, if you had aspirations for college or any thought about what you wanted to be during that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, shit, I, I wanted to be an athlete, man. I literally okay. wanted to play football. Football was life at what the time. What position were you playing? Uh, tailback. Got tailback it. and kick and punt return. Got it. Because I had speed and, you know, I had fucking moves like crazy. So <laughs> So you, you want to go NFL eventually. Yeah. The, the end game for me, man, I for sure thought I was going to make it to the NFL. Really? You know, and um, I dedicated all my life to football at that time. Bo Jackson was my favorite athlete. Mm. It's so weird to hear that because you're living in Japan, man. It's not like <laughs> I, I, you, could, you could expect doing that from Bickle commercials in Japan. Doing Bickle commercials, <laughs> modeling, and, Dude. and in playing football in Japan saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the NFL. Because it's, like, it's, it's crazy. Louisiana instilled that. Uh Playing for Leesville Wampus Cats, man. Um, I played with some beasts. Yeah, beasts. Cecil and Collins. Was that just like? I feel like, especially in those areas, uh-huh. sports, especially for people in predominantly African American communities, is seen as one of the only ways out. That was it. So that like that fire to to make it. Oh yeah, man. It's like this is our shot. This is it. This could get me out of this shithole of a fucking city. Sports. Whether it be football, basketball, yeah. baseball, tennis, whatever. That's what you had to look for. You know, because if not, you know, in those areas, man, it was, you know, blue collar all day. Yeah, you got Bane consulting in those nah. areas. Aspirations to join nah. fucking. And you just didn't have that surrounding then, you know. Now, why not the military? Like, why Why did it stop with you? Um... And did you get pressured? You know, oh, to do for it? sure, man. Mm. So, for how, yeah. sure. so how did you deal with that dynamic, you know? Well, it's it was kind of my, my parents' fault. Had it wasn't such a harsh, you know, constantly moving, not, you know, having your feet, like, situated in, in one place where you actually could grow up with someone. I was like, man, I'm not doing that shit. Mm. And I, they had to know at that point. Oh, they knew that for sure. They knew that. And, and I remember... Because um, my parents, you know, they had set me up for college where you know they were putting money in every month since the day I was born. Yeah. And since I didn't go to the military, my mom took that shit back. Wow. Yeah. No way. Didn't let me get that. I was like, well, you don't want to join the military? You figure out college yourself. No way. Wow. I was like, I'm going to do that. It was like that? Wait, wait, wait. Pretty much. How'd that make you feel at that time? I mean, you know, at, at that point, our relationship was, was, was shit. So um, it was just one of those things where... I, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do this because I'm going to prove to you that I don't need you. And I could do it by myself. Wow. And, um, you know, that, that, that fueled. And that, honestly, that still fuels why I do a lot of shit that I do. It's just to prove someone wrong. Yeah. What, what, what was, was it just like adolescence and, and, you know, Growing up, that had you and your mom's relationship like that, or was it like, what was that? 
Um, it was a combination. That had to be tough, though, also going through all of these things and then having to deal with that even at that point. Like, wait, what? Yeah, man, because um, my mom, I mean, the military made her a very, very strict militant person. Got it. Where at 7 o'clock, if you know, I wasn't in the house, if I was in the house at 7.02, I was getting grounded and whooped or either wow. both. And that happened a lot of times. And, you know, my mom, I always felt that she enjoyed, like, whooping my ass as a kid. And she did it for a very long time. But wow. would never, like, hit my arms or my face. Yeah. And, um... Damn, the fact that you actually felt that oh, yeah. it was enjoyed. Oh, yeah. It was it, it was brutal, man. It, it was It was... Did that turn? Did that make you like really rebellious as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I, I ran away from home twice. Um, I ran away home twice in Japan. I think it was yeah, and I I, I was pretty much like fuck her. I I could figure it out on my own. I, I can you know I, I just felt like invincible to her. I hated it so much just being there. I was yeah. like I'd rather fend for myself and you know hit that reset button, I could figure it out. Yeah. I did so, you know, so long time and time again before that. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I didn't want to do anything that she wanted me to do. I just, I, I just always wanted to go against the grain, but succeed. Yeah. yeah. So that way you can't say nothing, yeah. but you only can say, man, you actually did do it. Congrats. Yeah. But I wouldn't even get that. Mm. <sighs> you know, College, nothing. Clothing, nothing. Music video business, nothing. DJ, wow. nothing. But, you know, it is what it is. It's crazy to, to think that's where your fire can come from, you know, and how it's a, uh, you use it as a motivation. You know, you use it to get you to, to find, almost find yourself and, and start to define yourself and break away from, you know, the expectations she would have, you know, on you. Yeah. It was, it, it was hard though, man, because, you know, as, as much as I was still doing this, you know, to represent my family well, I was more so doing it to prove a point. Mm. Like mm. I didn't need to do what you told me to, um, that I can figure out what I want to be individually, yeah. not being forced to just join the military because everyone else did. Yeah. I'm going to make whatever my, wherever I choose to do in my life, I'm going to make that work and I'm going to be successful at it. Yeah. And I have been. Who, who, like, who was your support system growing up then? Because there had to be, for you to be able to, to, to have gone through that and the wildness is, is, is still go through that. It's still recurring, right? Yeah. Who, who was the support system though? Because like, I feel like at times it can't always be uh, proving somebody wrong. Somebody has to give, and especially in like our youth age, and yeah. our, whether it's friends or whether it's different types of family, somebody has to also instill uh, hope that can also drive that. Well, when, when I had my grandmother here, she, um, I lo lo loved her to death, still do. Yeah. But my grandmother's why I wanted to do everything right. You know, she was always supportive, even when, you know, when, when, when I was telling you guys earlier how I would come back to the U.S. and, you know, I'd play sports during the summer. 
we would have to lie to my mom about me playing baseball because my mom didn't want me to do that. She only wanted me to go to, come back to the States, hang out with my cousins, and just learn more shit. Mm-hmm. I have trophies that have never been in the house. They've Holy always been shit. at my uh, my Aunt Linda's house. To this day, how, they've only been done. So every trophy that, that... How is that for you? It's crazy. Trophies, jerseys, medals. There's some of that... There's a, there's a huge part of when we played baseball, the shit that I did as a kid, I wasn't allowed to. I had to do that in, in secrecy. Wow. That's crazy. That's fucked up. Bro, moving around, like endlessly and then also having to keep sanity secret it, it was it was it was crazy man it was fucking insane that's a whole nother layer it's it's, that, it's that's, a, that's an entirely new layer it's yeah it's like if there's not enough stress of, of moving and not being able to latch on to real friends and constantly you know find comfort comfort and being uncomfortable then to take away the things you actually want to do and find ways to keep that. And it's, that's insane, man. It's nuts, man. It's fucking nuts. Do you think that shaped you? Like even more so? Or like, not maybe shaped you, but how does that affect you? Look, like being an adult now, right? And also like calling a spade a spade, if you will. Yeah. Right? Whether that's done or not, right? How how do you feel that's affected your views? Do you take it as being like like with moving around and with your friends, like how optimistic you were and how appreciative you were about relationships? How do, how does that affect your psyche? I mean, it 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 weighs a lot on it because everything is like a thought. You know, that's why sometimes I just try to completely let loose. Yeah. And just have like no inhibitions, have no like boundaries. Because a lot of times, you know, everything is like an assessment, you know, from walking in the buildings, man. Like I pay attention to everything around it. Yeah. You know, there's memories kind of shot now, but like even when we go out to eat, I can tell you where certain things are like buildings I haven't been in. And it's just it's it's made me very observant and it's made me take in a lot. Everything I see, everything I experience, I like to take it in. I, I I like to enjoy and fully immerse myself in the experience now because now I, I don't have to answer to anyone. I can fully enjoy every moment and I know that every moment that I am enjoying, I created that. Yeah. You know, no one told me I couldn't do it or sorry, no one was able to stop me from creating yeah. that. You know, and that's whatever the outcome, whatever it is, you've made that decision and it is what it is. You know, there, there's been some great ones. There's been some really bad ones. But at the end of the day, I can sit here and stand and say, I did that. Yeah. A hundred percent on my own. So you come back to the States. Yeah. Right. Where are you going to school and, and take us through the ankle being blown up? Um, so I ended up going to school at Skyline okay. in Oakland, which was one of the the best schools out there for sports, you know, in, in the Bay Area. The division was solid, Joe. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a bunch of Ichiro's playing fucking football, dog. It was, it was calm, <laughs> you know. He saw, he saw future sushi chefs like yeah. fucking playing football and shit. We're back on U.S. soil, bro. <laughs> we playing with the big boys. Yo. Cats that are guaranteed yeah. D1. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. Yeah. 
You had you had you had the boy like you got yeah. to go back to Louisiana, but like cats were bigger then. Way bigger. Yeah. You know now now these fools are looking like grown ass men. Yeah. Some of them probably were, but yeah. you know, um, I, I I remember being on and and from being the man in Japan to get dropped down to third string out the gate wow. your senior year, <laughs> bro, that was horrendous. Oh. And then I remember when I actually did get my shot, fucking. My fucking ankle blew out. And it was like, yo, this shit's done. Really? It was that like it it was it was that bad and it was I didn't have time. I didn't there wasn't enough time for me to get back, get into it, because this was this was it. This is only half I only had half a senior year Jesus. in the US. So that was it. That was it. And it was like figure something out. And then um I remember uh, meeting this coach um, named Curtis Taylor who was coaching a track team there. And he's, you know, he's uh, coached like Otto Bolton. Um, shit, who, uh, uh, Otto Bolton, um, he's worked with Carl Lewis, worked with uh, Marion Jones. Wow. Like, he has a dope roster yeah. of athletes that he's worked with. And he helped me re- rehabilitate. Wow. Yeah. What, 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 what was the connection? Like, what? It was, he was, he was a coach just from the, um, from the, tra- uh, from the track team from Skyline. But he had, like, you know, his own private clinic and all that type yeah. stuff, too. So he was, you know, working the guys out one day. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Maybe I should try this. And I told him what had happened. He was like, you know what? We'll work you out. And so then, you know, just started doing a bunch of exercises, you know, different strengthening. Came back, man. And shit, that, that got me to college. Wow. <laughs> Scholarship status. So you were able to do track but not football again. Yeah. I, I I slimmed down because I I was much bulkier. I was just all got muscle mass. It, got it. Got it. You know, but I had speed and strength. Got it. So literally trim it down a little bit. I was perfect for it. What'd you mm. run? Uh, ran the one, the two. Um, I did the four by one, four by four in high school, mm-hmm. and then in college I did those plus I did four hundred hurdles. So and that and that's that shit's gruesome. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So. The 400 hurdles? Yeah. yeah that's mean, the toughest one. No, that's, the, that's literally the toughest. That's race. the illest. Yeah, that's horrifying. I'll never be. Doing I'll f- never even think about doing <laughs> the 400 hurdles. The 400. I'll do 400 hurdles, you know what I'm saying, to, to cheeseburgers. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Dude, I did this 400 race. One. I, I was terrible. I was so bad in track that they just said, like, do long jump. This motherfucker played football just, and track. Like, <laughs> I, I, I did. <laughs> I, I remember I tried out for the 400, and we did the first race, and this is when I instantly knew just the 400 was, was horrible. Right. 400 like, and hurdles. It's, it's unreal. You got to be able to gallop, though. It just hit start, and uh, I ran, and I'm sprinting. <laughs> and I'm Every about, rookie mistake. Yeah. <laughs> rookie mistake. Been there. Yeah. I'm, I'm sprinting, and I'm way in first. I'm super far down the line by about – 250 in, I start to gas out. Decline. That monkey jumps on that back, bro. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> jumps off. Your mind wants what? to keep going. You're just like. My mind's <laughs> telling me no. no. Dude, your body, your, your body, your body, your body. Was just, not telling you yet. No, it just starts to disintegrate. You start, you can't feel your hands anymore. <laughs> yeah, man. Everything gets tingly. It's weird, and silence kicks in and you're just Yo. like, shit. What am I doing right now? Wow. And, and I got hit with. One dude who just rolled up, started running, and he just goes by me. He goes, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Hits me with the excuse me. So 
you start doing track after football. Mm-hmm. You realize you're, you, you're, you're really good at it. It's crazy. You have this coach, a, a blessing of a coach, but you back at, at Skyline. You, yep. You got the top tier talent. You're starting to do track. You're building momentum there. Right. Right. Are you working during high school? Um, I worked, I worked uh, right after high school. Okay. Once I graduated, I so, just so you the, the so then let's let's take it here. Track. You're back in the states for uh, half of a senior year. Yep. And then now track scholarships start coming in. So the track scholarship idea starts popping up. Being that I was only um, back for you know six months. Yeah. It was interest, and that coach was like, yo, you should stay. Let me work with you. Wow. We probably could get a scholarship for something. you. He saw something. Got it. And so. Did you, did you was that belief in you enough? Because you're yeah. the type of dude that's like, oh, man, come on, dog. Now, nah, you know what? At at that, I never questioned it. Got it. I what, never what, what, what questioned it. What was it about that? It's, it's certain people that you come in life, man, like the way they just present themselves, and, and you see that. They really see something in you, and they and they want to push you yeah. to that. Yeah, and they don't expect anything in return. Yeah, you lightweight needed that too. I and I needed that. Yeah, I really needed that because one, I'm already on this whole rebellion that I'm not doing the military. Yeah. Two, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to college on my own. Yeah. Football thing really fucked me. Yeah. So then this track came up. Track was another option. So instead of going straight to a four year, I went to a JUNCO. Mm. I went to uh, San Francisco City. Like little developmental years. Exactly. And that was honestly one of the best decisions of my life. Really? For multiple reasons. Let's get into that. <laughs> All right. So you would ask me, did I, did I have a job in high school? Yeah. Which, no. I got my job, um, I'd say my it was going into my second year at JC before I was transferring. Okay. Track is popping off. Scholarship offers coming in. Um, I had got an offer from uh, Cal State Long Beach. Signed a letter of intent and everything. Same time, I was working at Nike Town, and I had been working there for about a year, which uh, it, was, it, was a, <laughs> it was the first one that opened up on the West Coast. And um, that, was, that, that was dope. It's like every, every kid wants to, you know, every kid wants to have that swoosh on their fucking yes. chest. And when that opportunity rose to where, you know, um, I think they had came to the school for like a job fair. So I'm like, oh, you know, Nike Town's <laughs> opening up. So we need you. We, we need, we're looking for people. Yeah. We want you. Yeah. I was like, fuck it. Just do it. Let's I'm go. in. Yeah. So Swoosh. I remember I was so pumped. I was super pumped. I'm like, man, I struck gold. Yeah, you I'm lit. going to college. Yeah. And I get what? I think it was a 30% discount. Nike Town was great, too. That in big ass building. Yeah. Same. It was. It was. It looked great on the outside, but when you get down to the bones of it, man, it, it was a real shitty monster. It, it, it was. Mm. It, it was a monster. Was that apparent from the onset? Uh no, because everything new that gets introduced to you has that wow factor. Yes, the honeymoon period. It, it was a beautiful honeymoon period, and the fact that it was Nike, such a big yeah. global brand. Yeah. I'm running track. Michael Johnson is my idol. Wow. He signed a Nike. I'm like, dude, this, this, I'm one step closer to him. Yes. You know what yes. I'm saying? You know, and um, I, I, I was super down for it at first until, you know, you really started seeing those curtains come off. 
You know, and what I mean by that is um, I'd gotten to a, a little predicament there, I'll, I'll say, a life-altering predicament, mm. which was I had worked there for about a year now, and um, when, when you signed on to Nike, you know, it was like, at that time, it was like a dream come true, and, you know, I was just happy to have a job. Mm-hmm. Didn't read the fine print, but at that time... Any idea, any concept, any addition to the betterment of any current goods that are, you know, in production, if you have those, they owned it. The work for hire got presented. You didn't you didn't get any additional pay. You got no recognition. And they took that shit to the bank. And I remember not even like a job at corporate. Oh, nah. It was just like, yo, let this fool just keep on talking. Motherfucker. If not, it, it was it was free range, you know. You just threw that shit out there on the net, and someone else picked it up. Yeah, it just happened to be, you know, they had the big net around us. And um, I remember these these two Latin dudes, you know, they they love soccer, and they had designed a soccer shoe. And then you end up seeing that shit on the floor, and the shit's selling well, but they ain't eating. They're not eating at all, and so. You know that, that 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 was that was a problem, and me and my mindset at the time, I was like, "Man, they're stealing from us." You said, "I'm gonna prove y'all wrong." I'm gonna do it from you guys. And you know, I wasn't the only one that had like crazy. How how that thought pop up? Was it like, "Oh, y'all fucking with us," so I'm gonna devise a plan, or was it like opportunity presents itself, and then like, okay, you know what? It's like I said, I, I, I'm very observant. I saw flaws in the in the building. Okay. And in that the building. In the building. Yeah. And that just made that just pissed me off. That really just pissed me off that I had seen that experience with the kids in their shoes and shit like that. And then ideas being, you know, taken from employees and yeah. employees not benefiting from it. I was like, you know what? This is my response. This this is what I'm gonna do to take action for, you know, the employees that were with me. Got it. And so I devised this plan. Young Fred Hampton over here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I devised this plan where we were stealing merchandise, but we never put, our, our hands never really touched the product. I never walked out with anything. You know, everyone else did. You said Kaiser Soze. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was this crazy. You didn't even need a limp out of the fucking building. Nah. It was, you know, it, it was very well orchestrated. It was a fine-tuned machine that I never left the building with an item. But we were taking... Pff, I can't even tell you the number Yeah, for legal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but we were taking a sizable amount of goods and redistributing. Can you take us through the, the plot? Well, it's documented, so yeah. It's um, so what we would do is when when you when you walk into Nike Town, you pretty much are on camera from if you hit the escalator from floors one through three. Once you hit three, you know you're part of the general pop. The level of meticulous <laughs> observation here, though, bro, this is about to be wild. He you know, like when did you meet Morpheus and when did you know that you were Neo? You know, so when you hit that third, that's you know that's when boom, you were okay. general pop right there. You had third, fourth. Where those are two floors you could go within. From the fifth, you could go up straight to the seventh in 
in uh, the elevator, but not the escalator. Yeah. I'm sorry, you could go in through the escalator, but not the elevator. Got it. And so what it was is once you went to uh, to the seventh floor, which where the bathroom was, if you got up there and you were up there by yourself, you'd send me a text. I would hit you with a text back like, yo, it's all good. Come through. You would literally hit the elevator from the seventh. We would knock three times. I would press six. You would come down to my level. I would hand you two bags and you would walk out and you would never be seen because there was no cameras on our floor and there was no cameras in the elevator. Wow. And you literally would walk out, walk across the street. I'd look at you from the window up above and we was good. We was meeting up later. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> we got George Clooney and Ocean's Eleven over here. Like, it's, I have a, it's, it's, yeah. That, first of all, that level of planning. Yes. Is, is, is insane. <laughs> but also, like, you know, how are you not terrified, you know, of, of doing this? this and that, also, that can, have, I, that, can that I add another concept? asterisk yeah. there? Is like knowing people, right? And were you ever wary of being able to trust somebody at the same time? But like, let's go through that. Those shit, man. That was like four options. Uh. <laughs> well, it's just it, it's, it's just kind of the mind behind it, you know, uh, of what you were doing that time. Or wasn't it even that real? Or like, yo, we can do this. Let's do it. It, it, it was a combination of, of, of both, man. Um, so the reason, you know, so, so you asked, was I scared? Yeah, man, but it's, you know, you're young, you're dumb, it's, you know, you don't think about the consequences, you're invincible, like, you know, this uh, this is is a great idea, which it was, and unfortunately was utilized for the wrong general perspective reason. In my mind at the time, it was right. It it was for something else. Yeah. Um, You know, would I do it again? Nah, not at all. You know? Yeah, am, am I proud of it? No. At that time, it was it was crazy. It was dope. It was fun. It, it was it was adrenaline. You were getting back at, at the man, and it was yeah, it was it was it was my yeah. idea of getting back at the man. You know, it was it was a corporation. It wasn't mom and pop. Yeah. You know, I've never do that to a mom and pop. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, those are real people that you yeah. see. You don't see the person at the very top of this. Absolutely. You know, so I didn't have any emotion in it. How long did that was that able to run for? Uh, that was over like three, maybe four months. When? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You scanned. Nah, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long. <laughs> no, but <laughs> so take. How did it end? Um, it ended in in disarray. <laughs> naturally as most things like as, as most things do it um shit man it, it ended when I, when I told someone how to do it when I was leaving wow and they tried to execute it and they got caught what as you were leaving as I was leaving it gave was a gift per se yeah per se gave a gift passed yeah. it on you know and um and, and you know I, I was I was stupid to do it in the first place yeah. and I, I was stupid enough to share it yeah but like I said, it, it it had a reason. It had a purpose at that time. And, you know, I paid for it. Yeah. I fucking paid for it tenfold. Um, but it, I, I got caught up because someone pretty much got rolled and they rolled on me. Quick. Super quick. You know, and this happened the day before I got caught. 
gave me no, you know, inclination, no heads up, no nothing. Just let me fucking wow, you know, burn in the rubble. Yeah, man, and that's man that 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 was that was a crazy one, and that that, that was life changing. And so this was a week before you were going to college. Yeah, this is a week before college, man. So at this point, I'm I'm scared shitless. I'm thinking, I really just fucked off my life, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm what, like 19, 19 or 20 at this time. And uh, dude, it, it was all those things I should have been feeling. Yeah. You know, feeling scared, you know, being just awoke. Yeah. I felt all of that because, you know, the, the, it, it, it cost a shit ton of money. It, 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 it was embarrassing. You know, I honestly didn't even care what my you know, what my punishment was, the the worst part about this was was the disappointment in my grandparents' face. You know, when I had to tell them and get them involved and it just felt like such a, such a failure, man. You know, and to see your, your backbone, your heart, you know, see you do something so wrong and it, it was completely unnecessary, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, I didn't need the product. I didn't need the money. Didn't need any of that. But I just did it to do it. To do it. Yeah, and that's the crazy part because it wasn't about the money. It wasn't no. About, and and just, it was just this is opportunity to do. Just did it to did to do it. And and the biggest, you know, it it hurt. You know, the punishment that you know that they instilled on me. Yeah. Um, was, Were you was given options? Um, I, I I was given options. I was given options, but the the one that I chose was, you know, it was uh, I I had a I was on probation for several years. Um, I had to do community service, so my first you know my my first uh, semester in school, I couldn't even compete because I had to come back and do um, community service in the Bay. So that that uh that sucked, man. And I had no one else to blame but myself. Yeah. So, at you know, I had to hold myself accountable because, again, being rebellious, wanted to be my own person. Yeah. I did that. But I, I will say that the biggest and then like greatest thing that did come from that was it really got me to get my shit together. Mm. You know, I, I went to college and refocused yeah. and, you know. Because it could have been taken away. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, it could have been taken away, but people supported me. You yeah. Know? Different coaches wrote letters, you know, got letters from, uh, you know, people in government from Oakland yeah. that wrote letters. Wow. You know, so it was, um, it, it was great to see people still support you. And pillars of the community at that. Indeed. When they know that you fucked up, but they know that, there's something more to you than this. Yeah. Like I honestly got that second yeah. look to be like, dude, you fucked up. Yeah. You're definitely paying for it. Yeah. Especially that young. Like, but we know possible. you can do something. Like, there's something good that you have to offer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, doing something like this doesn't even sound like you, and I don't even fucking know you. You know, other than this conversation and hearing about, you know, what how you grew up and everything you experienced, it's not like you're a bad kid. It's not like no. this is just an, uh, one yeah, of, like of, a of several different things. Like, 
you know, a history of stealing or a history of crime, like nothing. It's nothing. The, the one and only thing that's, it's so weird, man. It, it's just, it's, it's such an anomaly in your life. And it, so it's not surprising. At such a pivotal time too. At such a pivotal time, you know, to me, it, it, it shows that rebellion. It shows that, you know, um, that angst of, or, of where you were that, at that time. It was just a moment. You it know, was. It was really, a moment. A really fucked up moment. And we've all gone through really fucked up moments. Um, and that was yours. Yeah, you know? it was. But it wasn't something that defined who you are as a no, person. No, not at all. You know, you know, it, it, it definitely didn't because, uh, you know, the man that's on this podcast now, is, I, I wasn't even supposed to be that person then. It, it was, it, it, it was, a, it was a poor judgment. It yeah. was a moment in time. It was a lesson. Yeah. You know. But the crazy thing about that is like, maybe it was meant to happen that way. Because if it was different, w- w- would it be different if if that didn't happen? That's the thing, man. This ain't Westworld. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You know, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it was what it was, man. We can't go back and change it. That was one. Op- that was that was the option. Yeah. But. I can't even sit here and say I would change it because if I did change it, like I wouldn't have been able effect. to make these great changes and opportunities yeah. and had this like wonderful life that I have now. Yeah. You know, where everything I pretty much do is for others or other people are always involved. Absolutely. From the music to the charity, you know, to, to working, you know, with friends and entrepreneurial aspects, like I wouldn't be able to do that. Absolutely. What was what was when you did have the opportunity to compete again, right? Yeah. What, what was that college experience and, and, and college athletic experience like? Oh, man, Division One sportsman. I mean, I commend every athlete on every single level, but you know, high school is is, is definitely competitive. But when you go D one, that is the closest thing to the pros one can even grasp. You know, and half the time when you're out there running, you know, you know, in college, you're technically running with some pros, but they just haven't gone pro because they're running in college. Yeah. But they are, you know, they're running for United States. They're running for like Ghana or Great Britain. Like I've ran with people that run from everywhere, you know, competing in college, you know, at Northridge. Like it's been insane. The the list of Olympic athletes that I've I've ran with or ran against or had the opportunity to train with. Yeah. It's it the list is very long. And you know, just the people I've had the opportunity of sharing the you know, the track with. Yeah. It's priceless. You know, so if for me college, I mean, that was like the real time where I started growing up with people. My college buddies to this day, those are like my dudes, especially the ones that track, we have a bond that's you know, it, it's such a brotherhood. It, yeah. it, it was such a unspoken fraternity. Yeah. You know, you really bond with people. You you see people at their best. You see people at their worst. You know, you guys take all the long shitty trips on a bus. You Absolutely. Cramped up. You know, shitty flights, staying in bullshit hotels. Like that. That was living. Yeah. And it, it was. It's it's one of those things, man. If 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 I could give that opportunity to people to to experience that. <laughs> That'd be the the number one gift I'd give to people, man. You know, the having the that comes from that. Oh, dude, it's 
you know, it's 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 kill or be killed out there, dude. Yeah. You know, that's and, and and for me that was you know, track is an individual team sport. Yeah. Everything you you do out there, it's 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 strictly the individual, you know. But everyone comes together as a team. I mean, it's it's such a a huge support system and everyone is pretty much on the same playing field mentally. Yeah. So there's no questions, you know. And everyone has the same goal at the end of the day, which is to get that title, to get that crown. Yeah. You know, it, it was it, it, it was just dope, man. It, it was such a beautiful, it was such a beautiful time. And, you know, running, like, if there's any runners that listen to this, they, they know. It's like when you're out there running, man, you don't, you don't hear shit. Really? You just feel. You know, you just, you, shit goes silent for a bit. You hear counts in your head. You hear your fucking heartbeat while thousands of people are out there screaming. You really can zone out. It's 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 a crazy euphoric feeling, you know. Do you think also, um, you know, this is the first time where you actually have stability too, in yeah. terms of you're not moving it at all. Yeah, you're right. Do you think that was you know mentally was that mentally different for you? Could you finally allow yourself to grab onto this bond? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, a lot of guys from my team now we we still hang out, we talk, we'll be in each, in each other's like weddings and shit like that. Like it's it's dope. It must have felt great, man. Oh, it to was finally just be like have stability and yeah, it's like form. such a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. I mean, my and you're entering adulthood. Yeah, yeah, you're entering the independence of all independence. And to be honest, I've had all those two year few months here experiences to properly create the man that comes down here you know and then I've had the the best teachers this the biggest group of diverse learning experiences that you could possibly have absolutely you know most people don't get that opportunity You've seen the world yeah seeing the world firsthand you know on the US's dime Thanks, Uncle I Sam. <laughs> Thanks, Emmy. Now, did you did you have aspirations of taking track further, or what? What was your mindset then? Um, you know, I, I wanted to compete for a while, but in, in track, man, I mean, it's 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 not. I mean, it's it's a very rewarding sport, but it's nothing like how you know you sign a, a deal in baseball, football, basketball. You're set. Set. Track, you're still running. Yeah. <laughs> and you know. <laughs> Yo, you're still running, man. You're still running. You know, like. Literally. Literally running. Running. You know, some deals. I mean, I know some some dope dudes. You know, really successful track track and field athletes that have, that have done very well for themselves. Yeah, but you know, there's only three spots at the top in track. Yeah, first, second, third, bro. You know, in the world, <laughs> that's it. That's a small pot to pull from. Yeah, you just got to be realistic. Yeah, at that, you know, when when college was done, man, that's when you know. You start like yeah. unwinding, unfolding. Hey. <laughs> you start living. Living. <laughs> you know, everybody knows being a, you know, being an athlete during college, and that's 
That's a hell of an experience. Yeah. You know? As an athlete, I, I kind of want to go into, in, in, into this perspective of it just for a glimpse. As an athlete, the, the, the childhood dream is always to, to be a pro. Yeah. Right? If you're fortunate enough from high school to make it into college, like that's a step, right? That's a huge e- step. Everybody, in, like for the most part still, 90% of cats, and if I'm wrong with the percentage, let me know, 90% of cats still have the aspiration of going pro. Oh, for sure. But 75, 80% of that 90 start to realize very early, even in D1, like top tier level, yeah. it ain't going to happen. Yeah, out, out, even, <laughs> real outside, shit. even outside of an injury, right? God forbid. Real shit. But like cats get in there and like, whoo, shit, if I'm not cutting it here, how the fuck am I going to go? Oh, back? 100%, man. That's, right. when you, that's when you take full advantage of the sole purpose, purpose of why you were there in the first place. Now, to that point, do you think that the majority of athletes that come across that potential realization of fuck this this may not happen outside of lining themselves and telling themselves that i could be undrafted free agent i can make it this, uh, yeah. outside of that dude that like will will we'll kill for it who may just make it right right but do you think that the athletes even whether they even even if they're gonna go pro mm-hmm. right or they're not are completely aware and willing to utilize the, the pivot to be able to take advantage of the fucking mountains of resources right. that are thrown at the athletes? Um, I like to say nowadays, yes. Okay. I'd say nowadays because now it's every athlete knows what they're getting to. I mean, it, you're pretty much stepping into your first, like, real business. Yeah. You know, college, college sports is a huge business. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. jerseys, ticket sales, concession, all that. We were talking to Kirk. He brought up. And you know Kirk very yeah, well. Yeah, I know Kirk very well. That's my right? dude. <laughs> yeah. And that came up very well. Yeah. But when we're talking to Kirk, he he was speaking about taking an insurance policy out in college and being able to do that in case he got a career-ending injury. See, Kirk, Kirk is also Kirk is a very intelligent dude. Oh, yeah. I love Kirk to death, man. Like Kirk is and smart. And shout out to Kirk's mom though, too. Yeah. yeah. Who was yeah. The, the, yeah. the the guardian of the galaxy? The backbone. Yeah. yeah. If every athlete was like Kurt, every student athlete would have a successful life after, with mm. or without the sport. You know, it wouldn't f- be an ESPN thirty for thirty. Bro. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It, it all it all honestly comes down to if these athletes have like a good support system. Yeah. If they do, then yeah, there is a pivot. But the majority don't. Majority don't. So that's where it comes. I, I feel the education that where your coach sets them up with some form of course in yeah. college. Like, yo, this is, I mean, well, granted, they all know why they're there. Yeah. It's to, it's to initially get that degree. Yeah. You know, football is going to, or basketball or baseball is going to take you through there. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be there for four because you're an athlete. You get that five. Yeah. You know, cause you get that red shirt year where the red shirt year, if you play it right, you know, you just train and you knock out as many books as you can. Yeah. Some don't want to take take full advantage of that. Yeah. You know, I know some that didn't. I know quite a few that didn't. Yeah. Because they just they 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 assumed and they thought that they were for sure gonna do it. And they didn't. Yeah. And what they do now is they regret yeah. not doing that, man. You know. Um 
That's a big regret because it's, it's a like huge regret. You have the the, it, it, the the wildest part about like just the thought of that regret. Naturally, like you know, I went from fat noose to a little nutritious right now, but there was never like professional athlete in there. But the <laughs> but <laughs> what it do? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, but 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 the thought there is like how in control of it you are, right? Mm-hmm. But when you but. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like when you're in that zone, you're kind of feeling like the man, but the men that really make it are the ones that, even though they're the men, they're still preparing for the worst, right? You have or, they're, to. They're, or they're preparing for the possibilities of something. Just like even in life, yeah, right. Nothing's ever guaranteed. Like the ones that succeed and the ones that continue to go, regardless of of how long a downturn is, or regardless of whatever catastrophic events happen, the ones that do make it are the ones that persist but also plan and, and, and prepare. Would you, like... The- yeah, I mean, planning and preparation are definitely part of it, but then feeling, you know, and actually just, just going with your gut for for certain things, that's also a key, key to making it. True. Timing is, is, is a huge factor. Yeah. Huge. Timing's for everything. Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, whether you're an artist, whether you're a DJ, whether you're a designer, timing's everything. Timing is everything. We've all seen that. Absolutely, yeah. You know, especially living out here in L.A. Absolutely. Timing's fucking everything. You know, utilizing your resources, that's yeah. everything. You know, you can't be scared to, you know, to, to ask for that helping hand or to utilize a connection from a friend. Yeah. You know, it's it's a culmination of, 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 of so many factors. You yeah. Know, you really don't have full control over it you don't no you don't at all what were your uh your thoughts you know realizing that you know you're not gonna go pro as a as a track star yeah what were you gonna do after that like what were your aspirations did you did you have a, a certain career path or um certain thing you wanted to do or, or, or strive for um I, to be honest um I, I was in a business school in northridge um now i graduated with a degree in market with minor in economics i wanted to do marketing. I, I really did. Um, and, you know, my first intern was um, actually at New Line Cinema, you know, working on campaigns with them. And I remember the first one that we worked on was uh, Lord of the Rings. Wow. So, yeah. Big, yeah. <laughs> that was my internship. That's a, that's, big, that's a hefty one for the first right? internship. That's a big one, yeah. And um, that was fun, but... For, you know, keep in mind as an intern, you don't get the real, you know, meat in the bones. Yeah. You get that the outskirts. Yeah. It wasn't that fun. It wasn't entertaining. And I'm like, man, I'm in school and I'm not going to be just someone's bitch getting yeah. coffee and shit that I don't even drink. Yeah. Um, So I remember my boss at that time, she was like, yo, you know, you're good. This is not the place for you. Grace knew said that. And she was like, you should do something else. Mm. And was like, hopefully in five, to six years, I'll be working for you. Wow. So I, I left. I left that. And um, what, do you, what do you think made her feel that way? Because that's a that, that's a big statement. That doesn't come just from like uh, the random intern from a, I've co- never from a said college. That. I've yeah. never said that to an intern. <laughs> yeah. You dropped a bomb on him. And it's, it's, never said that to an intern. Oh, is that Will the guy that makes my coffee really well? Like, yeah, look. Oh, you, you don't want to? You don't like this? Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be under you in a couple years. Yeah. Because Grace, Grace was actually like, she was super cool and she was super down to earth. And she let us see everything. Mm. 
you know, from scripts, rewrites, you know, the marketing materials. She let us see that. Let us read it. Most of the times you don't get that. You know, fortunately, she allowed us to do that. Got it. And, you know, we would tell her like our ideas and stuff. And they were like, oh, you know, we got to work these out. These ideas aren't for a two month down the line pitch. These are shit that's going to work right now. Yeah. This is what college kids want to see. And that just that whole process that they weren't capable of, of, of moving on something that fast. I was like, man, this is boring. Yeah. This sucks. You're, yeah. you're missing the moment. Like, it sounded good to say this shit, but like, why aren't y'all going to do shit? Yeah. And, and it was like, long. oh, no, we got to run it down the, you know, the chains of command. Yeah. And I, I just didn't like that structure. Got it. You know, because then that idea, that was the idea that was working right now. It's cool. Yeah. This is what we're telling you. We're giving it to you from the horse's mouth. Yeah. They didn't want to listen. So opportunities, you know, get, you know, missed and passed. And she if was this like, this is what it's going to be like. I don't want to be a part of it. Exactly. You know, it wasn't forward thinking. It wasn't progressive. So that came to an end, man. I had, to, I had to cut that chapter off, you know. Um, and at that time, that was, that was just an intern. I'm still running track. And uh, I remember because of my internship, I would have to, you know, get practices by myself after my internship, okay. you know. So I would have like one or two guys from the team. They would wait and practice with me late. And I remember one time I was there, this uh, this little this little kid runs up to me. And at that, you know, I always wore like loud shoes and shit. So I was wearing the Michael Johnson. It was like silver, yellow, and it was like the cobalt blue. And the kid says, hey, man, uh, do those shoes make you fast? And I remember I was like, well... Fast enough to where the school pays me, you know, being that you know, I pay for my tuition and books and yeah. shit. Yeah. And so the kids like laughs and runs off to his uh, to his uncle, this guy named Leslie Smalls. And um, he comes back and pretty much says, you know, my, my little nephew like likes you. He was like, I don't know what you said to him, but he was like, this guy is cool. And he was like, you know, right. And um, me and him spark up a quick combo. And since I'm from the Bay, like, we always had this this idea of when you come to L.A., people are going to be like, oh, I'm a producer, I'm a director, I'm an yeah. actor, I'm going to hook you up. So he's like, hey, man, you know, what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, you know, I'm about to graduate soon. And uh, he was like, well, I'm a producer, I'm a director. <laughs> Take my number down, call me when you graduate. The I'm like, essential okay. character yeah, that yeah. y'all about. Everything yeah. we know yeah. And, yeah. And to watch out for, he yeah. says. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I was like, if you're serious, take my number down. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> and I remember saying that, like, damn, that sounds like some dickhead shit. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it was in the moment. It, it was, it yeah. was, that was a response, I, you know, I was programmed to say or and feel. So I remember after graduating, walking the stage and walking back, he texts me and says, You ready to work? Wait, as you're graduating? As I'm graduating, because I didn't know that Leslie was also a professor there. In a radio, television, wow. and film department at Northridge, yeah. So he hit you. He heard William Smith. <laughs> he saw you shake the hand, take the picture, hit you with the Bro, text. Are you ready to work? You walking off the he steps? Hit you you ready right to- after. He was there. He was a professor. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't in that school. Before they tossed the fucking hat up, you got the text. You ready to rock? Cause you leaving this place right now. Yo, man, and um. He gave me my first gigs, you know, doing um, shit. We did a did a couple comedy shows for like Alex Thomas, Bruce Bruce, um, 
Then we did this Bruce, 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 Bruce with us. I haven't heard that in a long time. Ooh, then um, I used to watch Comment View all day, bro. Yo, are you familiar with the name Shabadoo? No. Breaking? No. Electric Boogaloo? No. So Shabadoo, <laughs> oh man. No. Those, are, those are hip-hop hey, hold gems. On. Was, was Cool Herc popping at this <laughs> These are all old school gems. Yep. Even before my time, but Shabadoo was one of the dancers, and we end up doing a, a Shout music. Out to Shabadoo, yeah, Shabadoo, killing it, still kills it. Um, we did a, 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 a workout video for him. <laughs> <laughs> then brought to you by Shabadoo. Shabadoo. Then Lord um, of the Rings to that Shabadoo workout video. Yeah, seriously, man, How, I'm proud of that project. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Get it, yo. Then after that. Um, End up working with uh, this cat, Rob Johnson, that I had been introduced to through Les, I think, or either on one of the projects, and then started doing music videos. You know, did wow. Young Guns, a bunch of shit for Def Jam, did stuff for Jim Jones, um, Cameron. Uh, what was that like for you? Did you did you enjoy that? Like, what? what Man, what? you know what? It, it was it it was cool because this is all the shit that I you know. I'm seeing all these rappers yeah, like yeah. it's it's dope. It's grew like, up seeing grew this. up seeing this and and during the era of great rap videos, great rap videos, oh, like and to oh, be behind the, the scenes era. on it, that was money. So I did that for a bit, but it was it it, it was morally it was a fucked up business, man. Because at that time, man, you know people were writing, um, you know, so so how, so how you obtain a music video is like you have to do treatments, yeah. So we'd be going against other directors and we're putting in treatments and our treatment isn't working. Like, like our treatment sucks. Yeah. And they pretty much would have, they, they should have awarded it to someone else. Yeah. But instead you get hit with that side combo. Like the brown paper bag, brown paper bag, 10, 15 stacks. And you guys are going to get it. That's and that business. That's and that, that, that really that, happened. That's that payola money. And, and, and you know, I get it. I, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Morally, I, I couldn't do it. Mm. I did it for a little bit. And I remember one time, uh, Jim Jones's camp came to our came to our hotel. And this wasn't even on no, no funny shit. It was, well, kind of was. It was it was like on, on some goose yeah, shit, like goose looking shit. for us. This was Jim Jones in the van, just hyped up, just, you ready, B? Yo, <laughs> yo. <laughs> and... To, to hear when you come to your hotel, when you come back from being out saying like, yo, there was a lot of dudes here looking for you guys yeah. talking about they needed to get money. And he wasn't asking to have respect <laughs> put on his name. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't out this, there like, This Baby. was like, yo, if we don't get paid type shit, you guys ain't getting fucked up. And this wow. was in New York. And I was like, man, I ain't doing this yeah, shit. That shit ain't got hey, me. Y'all got me <laughs> fucked up. No. I was like, I'm all the way fucked up right now. I'm cool. (laughs) So, dude, I took a hard left on that 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 side of the world. Yeah, and then I got into something a little bit more happy and fun, love and localized. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it was like like after Debo, the soccer dude. You want some two old man? No. (laughs) Yo, and and then I started up. Working for Bobwell Productions, which I was a casting director for like Blind Date, Fifth Wheel. Fantastic show. <laughs> Yo, for real. Staples. For real. Staples. 
Staples, you want to be on TV? Hey, were you, were you, you around when the game was on, uh, what's it called? Fifth Cajun w- Heart? No, 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 no. I wasn't working in it then. That had happened before me. Got it. Yes. What up, JCR? Dude, though, though, those days, those days being a casting director were fucking hilarious. The shit. <laughs> Yo, take us through that. Dude, okay, so... First off, you know, you, you, you through like face. You were a casting director. Well, casting coordinator. Okay. It's the same shit, to be honest. You. you know, you. I chose everything and gave it to them. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we picked all this. We, all- <laughs> we did this. <laughs> there was like four of us that were casting coordinators. And um, what we would do is, you know, you could go to colleges, go to clubs. Uh, oh, y'all were on. Go to go to you know on Facebook and shit like that. Shit, I think MySpace was even popping at that time. Oh, yes, MySpace yeah, was absolutely. popping. Then it yeah. wasn't Facebook; it was MySpace. Yeah, and literally say, "Hey, you want to be on TV? One hundred and fifty bucks. I got you, and a free date. That's on us." Did it feel sleazeball to you, or was it just like, "Yo, I'm no, it was hella funny. It was hella fucking fun." So. I used to just hit people up, and, and and the crazy part was, I remember one episode that we did, I knew the guy um, through, through, like, clubbing and stuff, and we had these two twin porn stars, identical twin porn stars, all right? So we had one of them and a normal chick on the date. The other porn star's sister was the fifth wheel. Oh, the fifth wow. wheel's never shown until the end. So at the end of this, everyone's like hitting it off, vibing and shit. Think it's cool. <laughs> and this is my homie that's doing the show. Wow, he has no idea. He has no idea that the chick he's been on the date with is a porn star. Oh my god! So when they get into the fifth wheel room, dude, the other porn star is there. So now he's hit with twins. <laughs> Yo, you want to see your boy bail out? <laughs> <laughs> Set him up like that on television. Wow. Yo. It, 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 Yo. <laughs> talk about mind fucked. You sent him into a booby trap. Yo. It was one of the funniest. <laughs> packed out. One of the funniest episodes. He hated me for a bit after that. It's like, yo, you didn't give me heads up. I was like, I can't. But this is the fifth wheel. The fifth wheel is that. Yeah. That's that fire. And you can't give yeah. him the heads up. Nah. I mean, we had people for like the interviews, people would do like crazy shit. Like I remember one dude, this crazy white dude, strip down and start doing somersaults naked on camera to get on the show. Like people were like trying to like proposition you, proposition you to get on fifth wheel. Wow. And I think I think at the time it was fifth wheel at the time. That show was a gem. I think it was like 125, 150. There, I mean, thousands of people I put on. Wow. That show. It, it was funny. That's it. It, lit. <laughs> it, it was crazy That's as hell. Lit. So amazing. But at that time, man, that was that was good TV. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Yeah. For awesome. real. That was the beginning of the reality era. Yeah. And that was that was kind of like a dope purist like reality era. Oh man. It, it it was insane, Especially man. Especially for it's all MTV, right? No? Uh, Fifth Wheel, nah, that was, was Fifth Wheel. I thought that shit was like on UPN. Like, yeah, that, that was on uh, a network, yeah, a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, network not shit. no sub tiers. You got that channel with the box TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that was a live time, fellas. People in in the shit. People wanted. 
people were down to do anything to get on TV. What was that like for you? So you so you went from like you went from like brown paper bag exchanges, <laughs> right? To crazy to, to hours. The freedom to say, do you want to be on TV, right? And also being in a position where you're like, damn, these motherfuckers will do anything, anything to be on TV, to be on. Man, people will do fucking anything. What was that like? Like it was. Uh, it was again, funny. Did, did that play on? That is funny, right? It was. It was but, entertaining because you saw people would embarrass themselves yeah. completely. Yeah. Which is a very honest thing. Yeah. And they would do that to be on television. They didn't care how bad they looked. They just wanted their 15 minutes of shine. Wild. And people would do anything for that. Like, it's crazy. It's insane to me. It's insane. It's insane to me. Because even that type of recognition, it's just like, you want this? And once it's on television. It's not gone. It ain't going nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. It's, it's, especially, especially now. Especially once now. Once goes somewhere, it's coming up somewhere. And like, it, it's... At some point in time, it's always going to come back. How long were you doing that for? Uh, my timeline for that is kind of sketchy. Um, I think I did that, that whole period with the music videos and, and the casting stuff. I think that was, um, you know, maybe two years. Two years. Yeah. What, like, what, what was, was there an opportunity presented or were you yearning for more? What was the, what was the now, pivot there? You know, it, it was, I, I was kind of... I was kind of done with it at then. Yeah. You know, at that point, I didn't really, you know, see myself being in that. I, I just wanted, like, you know, a challenge. I wanted, I wanted something else a little bit more challenging. There was no real thought in that. Yeah. You know. No, absolutely. It's just like, you wanted to do marketing. Want to do marketing. How you did know, marketing present itself? Or how did you um, around the marketing this, endeavor? It, it was great story. So um, a buddy of mine, George Robertson, who worked okay. at Interscope at the time, um, new, which is like one of my dearest friends now, D. Murthy. Yeah. And Andres. What up, D? Yeah, what shout out to Murthy, 5-4, what up, boys? And um, I remember at this, around this time, it was, it was an all-star game in, in Colorado. Okay. I can't remember which one, uh, or actually what year it was, but the year that it was in Colorado. Um, I was going up there in George. Around this time, George was like, yo, you got to meet my dudes at 5'4". They're doing some dope shit. Really? And then he was saying that to them, like, yo, you got to meet my dude, Dub. Like, he's connected. Like, this will be a good dude for you guys to meet. And so I remember the first time I, I recall meeting D is we're going to this place called Shelter, which is now currently Hyde. Wow. Yeah, Shelter. When, when, Wild. Uh, that was one of Brian Toll's first promo jobs, if I think. He was a wow. promoter at that. That was one of the venues that he promoted at back then in the day. And um, I remember we walk in there, and there's a bar. As soon as you get in, before you really even get into the club, there's a bar right on the right-hand side. And we met D. We happened to see D right then and there. And George was like, yo, you two need to talk. Okay. We get a drink. I think we exchange cards. After that, uh, it's All-Star Week, and I think that same time they're doing... Uh, magic in Vegas. How early was it in the in the Five Fours uh, inception? Man, it Were was they still in school. Did they? No, they they just finished school. Okay, um, they had finished school, and I think Five Four may have been a year and a half, maybe two years old. Okay, mm -hmm. put it this way: they didn't have any employees. Got it. It was D. Andres, 
They had a sales rep, Chris Mahler. And What's up, Chris? <laughs> What's up, Chris? And then, um, then we meet. So I go out, do the all-star joint. They go to the trade show. They're coming back. And I remember D and I, we were trying to have a phone conversation, but I'm driving through the States. Yeah. Reception's horrible. So we can't even talk. So I, I, then I, I recall, if I recall correctly, he invites me down to the office and we have a conversation. And this is when the office, it was baby blue and uh, lime green with five, four and white. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we have a conversation, you know, it started off as an interview, but it ended up becoming a combo. Yeah. And I think we talked two, three hours. And I remember they, they told me, well, like, look, man, we love you, have you on board, but we're broke. We only can afford to pay you 500 bucks a month. And after meeting those two, it's something I just dove into head over heels. He, what, what, what was it about them? It, it was just so raw and so honest. And yeah. it, it was real. It was, it was two kids that were that had a dream, and they were putting everything they had into it. And you could and, tell. And, and you could tell. You could tell. And and I loved that energy. I loved that vibe. And you just saw it. The five hundred didn't matter at that point. It didn't matter. You know, the the five hundred bucks didn't matter. And I remember he was like, you know, you come one or two days, and then <laughs> D told me this lady was like, yeah, this dude just keeps coming every day. <laughs> <laughs> So I started coming every day, man, and um, every day became a ten and a half year career with them. You know, starting and you know starting stores, having my own set of employees doing the stores, to creating the the online business. You know, and seeing other developments that that came from it at the time. Young and Reckless, yeah, Tuck and West, Hollywood Cartel, yeah. <laughs> you know, segued in the Young and Reckless, yeah, <laughs> like like just. Just doing all these dope projects, you know, doing integrations in the video games, having campaigns, you know, doing marketing campaigns, photo shoots. It was it was dope. We saw everything. What was that? Let's take it through that that ten year ten year career, right? Yeah. What was it like in the beginning? Like what what were you guys doing? Like it was a brand new business. They were broke as fuck, but they had you had two dudes that were in it for two years, right? They, they they have a dream. They've been getting pummeled. They're bootstrapped as shit, right? They're not kids that just come from money and they're just throwing it and, and, and blowing it. Yeah. They're, they're stacking credit card debt like crazy, but they're honest with you. you. You see something in there, right? You also see potential in your ability being that it's so small that you yes. can make an impact, right? Saw that. You were that like, opportunity like, presented. I, I have the position to really... Make a mark here. Exactly. And and I'm, I actually can see myself making it with them. Oh, dude. I mean, it, it, it was one of those things where... Because Five sure. Fours had so many pivots, so many downtimes, so many uptimes, so left, right, uh, a company amongst friends, right? company that 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 has has gone to the gutter and come up and and plateaued and and came down and came left and came right you were there for all of this all of it like let's go let, let's walk through that like early on cuz cuz they started out hot oh we came out super hot man we were in <laughs> it it was a LA brand and had that buzz it had that buzz it had 
the network of friends and family. Because everybody that, that is is somebody today in, in this community, right? Yes, was part regardless of it. Regardless of whether they're 40 even, right? Or 30 or 20 or the young gunners, like, you know these guys. Oh, yeah. And these guys came up with, with the guys that are running Los Angeles right now. It, it was an amazing thing, man, because at that time, it, it was a time for local brands to do something. Mm. It, it, there was something that needed to be done here, and they were part of that generation. They were part of that wave that did that. You know, it, it was it was crazy, the ripple that was made when 5-4 came out. Like, like you said, we had the buzz. We are in the best stores in L.A. that L.A. had to offer. Yeah. And then doing the shows and then, you know, expanding. I mean, the reason why it, it, it worked is because there, were, there was always an army of people that were there Granted, there was, you know, there was very few employees. Yeah. The dope thing about 5-4, everyone felt like they were part of it. Everyone was. Yeah. Everyone you wanted to in. see these two dudes win. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were, they're infectious. Like, you, you, you can see, like, from when you, if you meet them, if, if you interact with them, if you've been fortunate enough to work for them, you see that they put in a thousand percent of everything that they are Absolutely. into it. Absolutely. And it, and it comes out. It talks to you. Yeah. And people listen. Absolutely. What do you feel stepping into, into those doors, into that realm? What do you feel you can add to this? It, it was family. It was like on the marketing aspect. I mean, because I was connected in, you know, in the, in the hip hop community. I was connected in the urban world. Mm. It was a shoe in for me. You know, I knew, I knew all the athletes. I knew all the rappers. I knew all the stylists. It was a shoe in. I had brought in Rolodex of just outlets what I've, I've accumulated over those, you know, yeah. two, two and a half years doing all the shit that I was doing. It made sense and it, and it felt like I could have such a purpose being here. That's mm. amazing. You know, and, and they gave me that opportunity, man. I mean, they allowed me to do almost anything I needed to do to help build this grow. You know, they allowed me to be part of their dream. Yeah. You know, and we... Have done some crazy shit together. Insane <laughs> shit. Did you ever feel in, in any of the other endeavors prior to this or leading up to this? Did you ever, at one moment in time, feel like you had a purpose? Nah, it, it was you know it was it was experience experiences. That's all. Just experience. Shit to do. It, it was it was you know everyone's had a job that they worked because they needed to pay a bill or they wanted to acquire something. Yeah. You know all the other jobs before that were just that. It's, it's so crazy because this is the one job where it wasn't obviously not about the money, purely about nah. the vision and just being a part of something that has a purpose. And, and that gives you life. It gave me it, it gave me life and it, and it still gives me life. You know, I, I haven't worked there in about three, three and a half years. But, you know, we're just as good as friends. You know, we keep in contact. I see the growth. I see see what's happening now with them and seeing the new developments, the new divisions. And I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I love it. And you just constantly see the regrowth of it. They ex not even the regrowth, the expansion of it. You know, I've seen it from when it was, you know, when we had a few shitty T-shirts and some vibrant ass, you know, lime green or red, white and blue jackets yeah. <laughs> from back in the day to now you're seeing stuff where you can walk into any business meeting wearing you go to any club and it's it's acceptable. It's it's what's necessary. How you was know? it for you being that you're wanting to do marketing and, and, and being literally a, a marketing director off entry, right? But building into 
your talents and your skill sets. How how was that for you and in, in, in your growth in, in just like career development for you? Like you becoming such a force in, 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 in that world. It was, I mean, I couldn't have had the, I couldn't have had a better platform. How so? <laughs> Failure wasn't an option. Absolutely. There was no safety net. There was no, if this doesn't work, mm. let's all just go around and do this. This was it. This was, you know, it, it was, it wasn't a nine to five. You know, when we would show up at 9 a.m., we would be there. You know, I remember times where, you know, we'd be there at 9 a.m. to like three, four in the morning, just cranking shit out. It was, and it was, again. it was a pulse, you know, you're part of like a cell. And so, you know, the, the more work and effort and dedication you put into it, the bigger and better the cell got. So to see that and to know, always wanting just to make sure that I could constantly keep feeding the cell. Yeah. It was inspiring. You know, you don't get those that many oppor- opportunities in life to be part of something from the beginning. And, you know, you're nurturing it. Yeah. To make it become whatever it, it ends up becoming. Absolutely. You know, so we've seen this from infancy. Infancy. And now, and now it's a fucking strong, substantial, successful man. Very big man. You know, it's 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 Very amazing. Very big man. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. And to be part of that, it's you know, that that's that says a lot. That speaks volumes, not even just for me, but for them to being able to provide that space to be there so long. Absolutely. You know, on on everyone's standpoint, for them to constantly, you know, there there was ups and downs to the point where, you know, Dia said you know he's 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 been verbal about it to multiple people about you know he should have shut down a while ago and he did cuz knowing him the reason why he did it wasn't because you know he wasn't hitting his goal or anything he was responsible for all these people and yeah. i've heard him say it before he had to make sure that it worked because there's so many other people that are dependent upon yeah. this yeah. that's a very selfless leader Absolutely. You know? And, and that's somebody you fight with to the end. To the end. You follow him anywhere, you fight with him over anything. You know, that was that was a a hell of an experience in life. You know, and, and hundreds of people say the same story, you know, about him. That he would he'd, he'd do anything for you. He really would though. Hundred percent, man. What what was it like dealing with the waves that 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 five four as a brand had gone through? Because it, I, literally, it's like almost from inception. The way I picture it is like D and Andres got in a in a rowboat, right? And literally have experienced going to, through, and coming out of the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, multiple right. times. And you're. <laughs> <laughs> you, li- you you literally you literally got told right when this little rowboat left the bay hey bro you need to go- get on with them they're going to a really cool spot uh down down the river a little bit right, <laughs> right. you just didn't know the current was going to take no. you through that but you were kind of cool because you're like yeah like these dudes are hella dope we're rowing on a boat they have a couple fishing poles here. we'll figure it out we're cooling they got a cooler that's packed we got like a good, good two-day trip <laughs> 
and it became y'all were lost at sea at certain times. Oh yeah. What what was that like for you? Um, because I want to put it into perspective. Because you are you are a very charismatic leader, but you're also which which is the beauty of of the upbringing. You are also extremely meticulous, very 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 perceptive, but you have. It's not a dominance, but you have a very firm belief in how things should get done, the work ethic that's required to get these things done, right? And you're very, very, you practice what you preach. Yeah. Right. And you expect so much of the from the people that you practice with, right? Yeah. And that you preach to, right? Because you embody that. Being that you've built such a strong relationship with them and knowing the turmoil that they've gone through from a business standpoint, in terms of being able to do your job and in terms of the the swings that your role takes in going through this, how was that for you? And how did you deal with that? What were some of the things that presented themselves? And like... what? What was that experience like in a, in, a, in in like a formative manner? It it was um it was almost like uh kind of like growing up and traveling again. Ooh. I mean because you know when I first came in there was like you know what do you want to do? I said I want to do marketing. You know at that point there wasn't a shit ton of stuff to do in marketing because you know everything was, was limited to budgets and you know resources. Yeah. Yeah. But we had product. We had relationships. That was a huge part of our marketing. Um, but then, you know, when we started doing online orders and deliveries, we all did that. Yeah. You know, so it was never, I was never stuck behind a title. Got it. A title was a formality. Yeah. It didn't limit me to, you know, running the stores and creating the retail business, you know, that we did together. It yeah. wasn't, you know, feeling awkward when it's like, hey, man. We have a lot of orders. Do you mind packing bags and, you know, doing orders and shit like that? I didn't mind that because it was just another loading thing. The, the, the whip up and, you know, yeah, taking. Yeah, and, 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 and to be a good leader and, you know, to be a director or something, you need to know how everything, everything. works. And, and a lot of people do get caught under the mandate of a title and feel like, oh, well, my title says this, so I'm only supposed to do these bullet points. You'll be Stuck. Stuck. You won't go anywhere. You won't provide added value. Added value is when you go far and beyond and you do absolutely what's necessary on every account from whether it's under your job title and it's not. If you can help, you know, a coworker do something, do it. It's not taking any strain in your back. The stronger you guys are, the stronger the whole ship is. Absolutely. You know, so for me, you know, when we were trying to do new things from, you know, from the stores or you know, online, you know, even overseeing the, our actual sales team. It's what was needed. Yeah. And so I was always down for it. You know, I, I you know, there was times D would ask, like, yo, do you want to do this? Or do you mind doing this? If it's needed, if it's necessary, let's do it. And the fact that it was the first time I was doing it. And yeah. also some, most majority of the times it was the first time they were doing it as well. Yeah. We all learned together. You know, everyone always, the communication was always strong and they always helped me when I, when it was necessary and vice versa. So it, it was honestly, it was like 
doing and being willing to do whatever's needed to keep this family together and keep it strong, keep it thriving through bad times and through the great times. Yeah. You know, because the great times, everyone shows up. Everyone's yeah, absolutely. You know, there. Absolutely. It's those shitty times, you know, when shit does get hard. You got to step up because if you let it sink and die, man, you're going to just go down with it. To that point, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true, man. No, but no, but to that point, because this, this is something where like it's it, it, it's beautiful to me how the story of business goes because it's it's trials tribulations. But I want to get I want to pierce that a little bit hmm. because it's brilliant to me that you have two kids that started an entrepreneurship project in college yeah. have gone through hell and back, right? Yep. To have pivoted and and and. After four, literally, it's now where it's really blossoming. But after fourteen years, right, yeah. have gone from zero to fifty plus million with verticals to go. Right, right? business done with friends. Right, <sighs> they're still friends, but they still they fight all this, all that. You came in, became a part of the family. Oh yeah, right. Were there times where you guys were fighting with multiple instances? How how it was it for you? And let, let's go through like that aspect of the you you became in, you came into the circle. You were a friend and family. Yeah. So this is a business that survived fourteen years of people say never do business with friends. This is a business that survived fourteen years of two really close friends from college. Yeah. Right. Granted, people grow apart. People people have different interests. Not to say that they they don't like each other anymore, but people's lives blossom in different ways. Yeah. And in that ten year stretch, all those things are happening too. Whether it's sinking or whether it's flourishing, the the camaraderie is always there. But what was that aspect like? Being that you guys were all friends doing business. It was it, it was scary at times, man, because we we were so close. We spent shit, man, 12, 14 hours a day with each other. Yeah. Probably day, and day after and day. And night And dog. night. Yeah. Because after we was done with work, we were the same group of friends that were going out to go eat, to drink, to go party. Yeah. That's tough to separate sometimes, man. <clears throat> it, it, it really is. It, and, and it was at times. I mean, sometimes it, it did get in the way. You know, it cloud people's judgments. Um, there were times, you know, where I, where I was reprimanded from, you know, partying too much. You know, there's other times when, you know, the partners were going at it with each other. Yeah. You know, there's there's always going to be like in any family, in any real strong business, there's always going to be heads that are be bumped. But to be honest, man, it was it was one of those things where if it got to that point to where there was an argument or there was a blow up. Yeah, people had their feelings. People caught. Yeah. People got in the moods. Yeah, that was like a two, three day thing. That's real life. It's real life. You, it's, it's that you, happens. We can't gloss over. You can't. You know what I mean? Oh, and you really did have that. There was, yeah. there was times. You know, people want to fight each other. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but as any family, you work through it, and we were all so committed to this bigger picture. You got to roll that shit over. Were there any moments in your 10-year span, right? Even like, let's say, from year one to eight. Yeah. Were there any moments that you were on the brink of saying, you know what, fuck it, for one reason or another? 
or was it always if it needs to get done, it gets done? Just even from a personal standpoint, because 10 years in a company, you don't see that. No. Yeah. Even camaraderie. Especially so, now. Were there any ever any moments for whatever reason or not? The reason isn't isn't the important part. Were, were there ever moments where you were like, "Shit, another opportunity," right? Or really, uh, really, really dope and and progressive opportunity, or just difference in opinions, or um, just damn, I don't know if this is ten years in clothing, shit, man, in apparel, right? Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Were, were there those moments or was it always just like, you know what, fuck it. Like, this is squad and and we ride together, we die together. So, because even, a lot of friends, even sometimes opportunity comes in life and it becomes a life decision. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, shit. That's where lifestyle happened. I mean, yeah. when I when I started with them, I was jumping into someone's dream. Hmm. And I was providing and doing any and everything necessary to help make this dream come to fruition. Because you know no man left behind. None. That's the way it's built. That's the way I was programmed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was, yeah, at at, at first it was just like, fuck it. I'm going to just do this, work as hard as I can, make sure this shit works. And I I literally thought I was going to be there pretty much forever, you know, because I really loved it. But you have that, like, internal clock where there's things that you want to do personally. Yeah. I didn't want to do this. This wasn't my dream. This was theirs. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. You know, I had a great time. I had a great career in fashion. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, it forged a lot of great relationships, a lot of great experiences, which have helped me in my current career today. Um, but there, I'd say... Eight to nine years. Eight in eight At year, that point. eight nine years. It's where I was really just wanted to do like my own thing. Mm. You know? Did you know what it was? I've always been a fan Shit, of music. Eight years in, and just like no, knowing you oh. itching, knowing you itching for something. I think it was. Um, was it? Was it? You just felt like you wanted something different. Like w- w- take a, take us through your mind then, because. Look, this is something that I, I, I'd like the, the listeners to get across, is that you're one of those people that will ride to the death of something. Yeah. And you put your heart into it. You put your soul into it. And it's like I love that we've been able to get to like a very big part of why, right? And I've been fortunate enough to be your intern when I was in the same entrepreneurship program, yeah. right? At SC, and to to shed light on on the reason why I go here is that. So I'll take it back to this. I'll, I'll reflect on my first experience with D as well. I got connected to D through Deshaun Cunningham, who happened to be a runner at USC track, and was also in my entrepreneurship program. Deshaun, what it do, baby? <laughs> right. <laughs> And he, like, it's crazy because I had, like, gotten into fashion and all this. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fucking hype beast fashion guy. Right, right. I just met a bunch of designers at, at Fitum. I lived in Medici. And I was like, shit, let's start a clothing line. Y'all are really dope. 
And I was just trying to slap dick, put it together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this was the entrepreneurship idea that I had presented for my entrepreneurship track at SC. And Deshaun was like, yo, I just spoke with this dude, D, like you really need to meet him and see if you can get up in there. Mind you, I was supposed to intern for LRG <laughs> that summer. What a time. What a time. What and a it's time. crazy because I'd, I'd spoken to Jonas inside LSNS, which happened to be the first store that ever took them. I was literally a shoe in there. My boys were like all up in Orange County. I was from Orange County at the time. And, but I had brought to light in my conversation with uh, Saya mm-hmm. that, you know, I wanted to start my own clothing line. Like, I wanted to go there, get experience. I'm, but, you know, I'm down to I'm work my ass off. You know yep. what I mean? And at the time, we had already had, like, prints of our brand out. And cats at the LRG offices were rocking them. So I was, like, supposed to go up in there. And then <laughs> it, it became ghost. Right? But coincidentally... I had met with D a couple weeks following that. Right. And I went in there and I was like, it wasn't even an interview or anything. I was just like, yo, I'd love to pick your brain. Right. And I kind of brought up like in that conversation, like I'd love to intern for y'all. You know what I mean? I told him my story. We, we, we vibed, we connected. It was the, the shout out to the office connected to monarchy. You know what <laughs> right. what I mean? Where Chris Stamp was at UNIF thugging. Right. Yep. Thugging it out. Um, I walk up in there, it's Chris Mahler, you, and like it's crazy the setup and the history of that. We won't get into that. <laughs> oh my God, but that's off record. I walked into there, and at the end of our conversation, D being D, right? Because D is somebody that, like, you, it, he's so, he, he's very present and very intuitive, also, right? But D is also somebody that believes in people, but that also will, like, call you out on the spot. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my conversation with, with D, which turned into like a internship interview out of nowhere, right? <laughs> and me being like, look, I, I want to start this clothing line. I'd love to come in and learn, da, da 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 All that like super like juiced up and like passionate and all this shit. And D, at the end of it goes, so you want to be an intern here and you're trying to start your own brand. Why the fuck should I hire you? <laughs> Why the fuck should I bring you on? You want to like come learn from me and leave? Yep. I was, <laughs> but at that time... Him saying that to me, like, literally Thug Nushi came out, though. <laughs> uh, thug Nushi came out, and I was like, because I'd be the best fucking intern you've ever had. No question. Like, what? Right? He said, I'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Boom. <laughs> First day. No, now, now we're going into a little fucking, now we're going into now a little. Now we bring us together. A Nushi monologue here, yeah? <laughs> First day I walk in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not. Whoop. <laughs> right? I walk in with fucking Rockin' Republic jeans on, a motherfucking black LRG hat, right? And I probably had some bitch-ass Christian Audige shirt on. You know what For I'm saying? For sure. <laughs> right? For sure. I walk in, and y'all know me. I'm like, what's good? Uh, super social. Like, what's going on? Hey, Noosh, nice to meet you. Whoop. Hey, how you doing? I'm walking in just hype, <laughs> energy, just... In my head, I'm beaming. You know what I mean? Ooh, we here. <laughs> so they tell me, they're like, all right, well, you're going to be working with J-Dub. Then I sit down, this and that. I sit down next to him. I'm like, what's going on? How are you? A new special to meet you. Like, what, what are we going to do? Dub is on the computer. <laughs> he looks at me. Literally, 
picture this, folks. <laughs> it's on the computer. He looks to his right at me. I'm on his, I'm on, he looks to his right. I'm on his right side. He literally looks at me, starts typing again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there for like 10 minutes. He doesn't even say hi? Yeah, no, and, and, and it, was, it was so powerful that like, I didn't even like, want to like, so uh, again, because he was just back to work, right? And then the next thing you oh, know, man. he looks at me and goes, what the fuck are you wearing, bro? You, you yeah, can't. you just you called him out, bro. He said immediately, intern. bro. Internship, bro. He said yeah. you, it's a program. He said you can, you can't come in in that shit. He said you know what? He said you know what? Go to go to the go to the warehouse. The warehouse was connected. To he said go to the warehouse, pick out some different fucking clothes, and pick out some extras, and never come in like that again. This is five four. That's insane, right? And me, I wasn't a little like. Uh, I didn't have rebellious Nike dub in me that yet, right? I was like, all right, word, let's run it, right? Mind you, for three months, I came into the office, knew she is shit. <laughs> Sit down next to dub. Dub, what we doing? And like, there's a little glimpse of like, oh, all right, we fuck with each other. He's like, all right, yeah, good job, this, that. But then cold, ice, alligator fucking veins. Right? Ice you, bro. Boom. Three months I come in, G. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives me the same look and just fuck you back to work. Put you on ice, yeah. The whole time. But I'm but me, I'm egg, like I'm I'm in it. I'm in Dub's grill. I'm doing whatever the fuck he's asking. Every for. single I'm day. I'm going above and fucking beyond. I'm telling him that I've told D that I'm gonna be the best fucking intern y'all fucking got. <laughs> like, fuck with me, yeah. right? Whenever I made a little minor mistake, like I'm talking the most minute fucking minuscule mistake, I get my ass handed to me, right? And at first, I was just like, why the fuck is this guy being such a fucking asshole? But I was, but in my head, I was like, oh, you, you gonna know who the fuck I am, right? So with that same mentality, I just came in every day, every day, every day, every day. And the last day of my internship that year, I was literally in the office till probably midnight, 12.30. And Dub pulls me aside and says, congratulations, you are the best intern we've ever had. That's amazing. And I stuck on until I graduated. And even after I graduated, like, yep. it was working. And they offered me a job. And at that time, too, it's crazy because they offered me a gig. And it was like, yeah, you know, we could pay you, like, two grand a month and, like, figure out gas and shit. And I was trying to do entertainment shit at that time. And I was like, you know what? I'm cooling, but I fuck with y'all. Anything y'all need, you know it. And throughout Indeed. the years, it's been that way, right? But it's wild because, like, you're such a charismatic leader. Like, to be honest, like, it, it was to the point where Dub got me to the point. It, it was like I entered a fucking total institution. Dub broke me down and built me back up, right? For a reason. Right, for a reason. And me just wanting to do great work allowed me to embrace that instead of trying to be... I was rebellious to the fact of, fuck you, I'm going to prove to you I'm the shit, yeah. right? But he also nurtured that and, like, look, whatever I needed moving forward, Dub already told me, like, look, I got you now. Whatever the fuck you need, whatever the fuck you do, I got you, right? Now, going back to this, this moment in eight and nine years, and I only bring that up just to give a little context to even my first you know, 
interactions with J-Dub and, and, and the building process. And mind you, he ripped me the fuck off when I was in college, a fucking broke college Still student. Still talking about that TV? That TV, <laughs> dog. <laughs> said, we won't get into the details. The flat screen that, that had a fucking tube back. <laughs> the um, front was flat out. <laughs> but at that time, like, w- w- what was it for you, like, going into, like, even feeling that you wanted something new? Was it that you just weren't being fulfilled with what it was? Was it that you had an inkling to what you wanted to do? It wasn't a lack of fulfillment. It, it's, you know, building that foundation with them was, was was phenomenal. But at the same time, it wasn't for me. It wasn't your dream. It, like I said, it wasn't my dream. It wasn't, it wasn't my pulse anymore at the time. I'd, I'd, I'd given all I could. You know, and um, before it got out of hand, you know, you got to. What is out of hand at that point for you? Out of hand to the point where it's like I I loved working there. I loved being there. I loved being part of the team and the family for so many years. But then it got to a point where, you know, eight years down the line, it's this this still wasn't wasn't mine, Mm. you know. I had a lot to show and I had a lot of, you know, accolades in it, but it wasn't mine. Mm. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've always been like a, a, a fan of music and, and music has always been something that was I, something that I wanted to be part of, Okay, you know, and an opportunity, you know, you know, opportunity to rose with, with also, like you said, working with friends, business with friends, one of D's best friends and, and his, and his roommate, um, during college or after college was uh, Brian Toll and, and Brian was opening up, you know, Bootsy Bellows. <laughs> and, you know, at that time I really wanted to just give this this DJing shit a shot professionally. Were you, were you like practicing? Oh man, I was practicing all the time and then, you know, you know, people think I just jumped into it but but I didn't, you know, like even back in Oakland, I interned at KPFA and KPFB with, you know, hip hop legend uh, oh, Davey D. Shit. You know, I interned for him at Wild. a radio station. My cousin worked on a radio station. I would go there and you know fuck around with him on that. He used to do uh, pirate radio also. So wow. we'd steal a frequency and we'd be live. That's on the insane. Air. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's it, it was it was insane. It was always there. You know, music was always played in my house, and I'd loved you know in in the bay. There was raves. I love being. I love that rave scene. I love like the rhythm, just the unity, the vibe in there. And it was something that I just never, I, I, I never gave it a shot. I never gave it, you know, the time of day. It, it was a hobby. Now, hobbies are, are definitely things that people love, and and it, it's therapeutic. It keeps like your sanity. But I knew for me, it could it could do so much more. Mm-hmm. I always felt that it could do so much more, and. Um, I remember Brian gave me an opportunity to uh, to DJ at his club, to be the opener there. How long had you been like, even practicing or or tooling around with the idea that you wanted oh, to DJ? Man, actively pursuing it, just even in in behind closed doors. Behind closed doors, man, it may have been because that's a, that's not something where like H Wood Group, Brian Toe, and even if it's your best friend, like you don't just like start DJing and be like, "Yo, you want a shot at DJing?" No, 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 no. It that was honestly, like I said, like since I was younger, it was part of me. But like practicing, when I used to go to clubs, 
I used to go to the club and I would sit in the booth and just watch. Yeah. A good portion of the time when I was in clubs, I would sit there and watch. Yeah. And I would learn and I would, and I would watch videos and I would go home and I would practice. And I remember, I think it was 2000, shit, man, maybe 2009. <sighs> Or maybe earlier when I remember 5-4 for one of my bonuses, Anan actually said, um, go map out how much it costs for you to practice DJing because we're going to give it a shot with you. Wow. You know, like eventually, like, you know, one day we want we want to see, uh, you know, see you do it. Because you always talk about it. I used to always talk about wow. it in the office. You create yeah. playlists and shit like that. Wow. And so uh, maybe it was like 2010. And um, and literally gave me a check. Told me to buy what I needed. So I can officially, you know, really, really practice. Not on just going here, going there, practice at a friend's house. So I could practice that shit at my house. Wow. That's awesome. And literally that's all I did. You know, I, I would just practice day in, day out. And. You know, I, I was the best damn DJ in my apartment. I and you know, just you know, just just shit, man. It 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 just felt good. It it felt right. Yeah. You know, and then you know, I I did a couple like small joints, and I'd start DJing at the at the five four store, just practicing live. So I always had uh, like a little. A little bit of an audience where yeah. I could perform in front of, whether it was AJ at the house or you know you guys all coming through yeah. like chilling. He'd always ask me like Noosh, like how was that mix? And Noosh, like, <laughs> how was that? you know what the crazy thing is? Even even then, I'd be like, bro, like, like it feels good. Like you know I me, mean? I'm not technical with the music yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, bro, I couldn't tell you how smooth this shit was, but I was right. like, I just know it felt good. Right. And you dropping dope records. Right. And it was one of those things where everyone in the office knew it and was like, dude, give it a shot. Give it a shot. We support you. And if it doesn't work, then just come back. <laughs> That's wild. That's awesome. That's man. crazy. And that, and that was that was like in 2012, 13. Oh, okay. So just a few years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's like yo, give right it a when shot. they were pivoting too. Yeah. It's like give it a shot. And uh, that shot and opportunity came when, you know, thanks to, you know, Brian Topher, the H, they, they gave me the opening set there at Bootsy. And then after they gave me that, I ended up going on tour with Jay Sean. Nice. <laughs> and going out of the, well, no, the first, first date we did was um, in Oregon. Ended up playing the Rose Parade. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was like a radio station joint there and performed at the Rose Parade with him. First gig Rose Parade? Fucking NBC. It was a radio station yeah, joint where uh um, gotta start somewhere. You know, it was uh Sean Kingston was there. Nice. Um Kylie Ray Jepsen. Um shit, a bunch of other artists. Oh, Nick Jonas was there. Uh, no, sorry, Nick Jonas. It wasn't Nick Jonas. It was um, MKTO and Shaggy wow. and a bunch of other artists that were there. And we performed on that, and that was insane. And we had a good vibe. Uh, and literally, 
next thing I know, I'm um, I'm in like what Dubai, Vietnam, <laughs> Romania. Was it real to you at that point? It was not. It was like it's still it, it, it's it still was, in it was, surreal. It, it, it like, am I fucking gonna wake up? It and was like, a dream. It, it it was it was it was a dream because it 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 just like happened. Were you it organically were, happened? Did you have fear though? <laughs> oh, for sure. I still have fear. <coughs> fear is the fuel. You know, take us take us through fuel. that. Like, what were you scared of? Well, Especially one, in the beginning, because oh. like like yeah, naturally, like you 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 went on a run that was like wild. You went on. <laughs> Fucking Rose Parade and then and then <laughs> touring with Jay Sean, right? Yeah. yeah. But then but then at the same time, like blessings to that being like the first initial jump, but you know that at this point it's it's becoming more real, but you also know that like this is something you want to build your life off of. Yeah. And motherfuckers aren't twenty two. Nah. And and it's one of those things where, you know, fortunately I I don't look my age. Yeah. And age is not my personal factor, so don't bother asking. Play Straight boy, up. you know, no, you, right you out know there, black and Japanese. I, no, you know it's wild. I saw I, I, he sidestepped a, a, an age scenario earlier, and I just knew. I already knew. Like Dub's age is phantom Dub. Like Dub's, yeah. Dub's yeah. sixty-seven, and nobody knows. <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> ain't like that player. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't nothing just crazy. Playing, right? player. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, age isn't a factor, but. It's it, it it's a factor in decision making. Um, but you're a fearless you're a fearless yeah, dude, bro. It's like fuck it, you know. Because you've if left everything behind before, yeah, time I mean, and you, time you, again. Yeah, you you've had this pattern, you know, all growing up. And then it, what's crazy is like growing up, you've had that, and then you were super committed to something mm-hmm. for a really long time, probably the first time ever. Yeah. In, your, in your life, being that, um, and now going, you know, again taking that step into the unknown. Um, it's not a nine to five job. It's the fucking music industry, one of the yeah. most rockiest p- things you could do. You've already as seen a DJ. the fuckery of the music game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you already I knew about the fuckery of the, of the of the of the scene in Los Angeles too. You're yeah, you, I mean, you're you're a heavy hitter marketer. So you yeah, you, you played I, to the promoters, played to the clubs, played to the venues, played to the 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 big organizations that run the nightlife scene. Yes. You know everything. You knew everything that that went into all that. Yeah, that's why that part wasn't the scary part. The scary part was, was this a smart decision? Because, you know, I constantly heard from everyone's like, oh, dude, you're tripping. You shouldn't yeah, do this. Well, smart in terms of what, though, you know? Well, you know, people people like, oh, well, you've been doing this for eight years, so yeah. I expect for you to do it for 25 more. Or you hit a certain age where people think like, oh, man, you can't change. You can't do anything mm. beside what you're doing. But again, you're going to prove them wrong. Got to prove them wrong. <sighs> so I, I lived for that, and I live for that. You know, and um, it's been a fucking, it's, it's been a, a hell of a ride, man. I mean, the shit that I've, I, I've had the blessing and, 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 you know, fortunate forthcoming to, I mean, uh, performed... I've performed at a music festival in in Shanghai. I've, I've I've performed in Dubai. I've I've had a residency in Las Vegas, in Atlantic City, in, in Foxwood Casino. I've residencies in L.A. Now I've had the billboards. I've been on television. Like it's 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 dope. It's been an amazing. It's been an amazing career shift. It's it's fun. It's enjoyable, and it allows me to see the world. In a different light, mm. 
it, it's allowed my my travel, my business opportunities have increased drastically. You know, working with corporate companies now, yeah. DJing, like I, I I love that, and and it's more than just you know just going up and playing music. It's like curating moods, creating vibes for them. You know, working with award show uh, production companies. It's it's so much more than just getting up, playing in front of a crowd, getting fucked up. Right, right, right. It's I'm I'm beyond that point now. Yeah. Granted, I I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say I don't sometimes. Yeah. But now it's it's a real business, you know, and it's it's a it's it's a business to where would I suggest people to to get into it just for the money? Nah, it ain't gonna work. You gotta look at other levels for it. You know, there has to be other end games. You know, um, and being able to curate your own brand. To make you stand out amongst the other thousands of DJs, that yeah. are, let alone just in this city, let alone the millions that are out there in the world. Yeah. You know, and it's being able to find or, if not find, create your niche in that world. What do you think has allowed you to create that? Because, you know, you, it's wild how even like when you think of musicians and just entertainers, like when you talk about a working actor, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's movie stars and there's working actors and there's struggling actors. Like, there's a lot of people, whether whatever the fuck field it is, yeah, that you may not know their names globally, right? But they're making a shitload of money, or they're oh, making yeah. a lot more than some of these people that, that do have humongous huge names. names. Yeah, right. Definitely. I mean, it's 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 figuring out what you're doing it for. Mm. and how long you plan on doing it. You know, that's why, you know, the club thing is, 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 is great. Yeah. Club, club, doing clubs, you know, it keeps you, keeps you hot out here. It's great practice. It's, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. Yeah. But it's different. You know, especially, you know, playing in L.A. versus playing in other cities where you really get a pulse back. Absolutely. You know, you get a huge pulse, a huge, you know, reception. Out here, it's tough, man. Mentally, it it, it, it can fuck you up yeah. out here. You know, but... Uh, I mean, we're spoiled out here. I yeah. Mean, and you're, you're competing against, like, every other hot entertainment out here. Exactly. Every like, fucking so, juggernaut that, that's coming exactly. out. It's like you have all yeah. the, every concert, all the other clubs, sports, events, everything is going on. So it's like... It's, it's so it's much. So, it's so hard to impress people. And you people see that on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you can it's see not like, it every it's not like fucking single day. Pekinsey, God knows where, where they're like, whoa. And then on top of that, yeah, and, and it's so fierce because everyone who wants to be doing what you're doing moves out here yeah. to do that. So it's 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 absolutely fierce. I mean, oh. shit, I've been out here 16 years. <sighs> Works for me. That's awesome. This is a great canvas. For real. The city is a great canvas. and You could create anything into reality. Do you... It, 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 did you want to foray into like production and getting deeper? Oh yeah, definitely do. Um, I mean, DJing and um, DJing at first was just solely it, but then that's not long term. Yeah, you know you can't be in the clubs DJing forever. Um, so definitely music production is the next development of it. Um, personal merch and then also creating a business to provide merch for other DJs, just specifically for. DJs are small, like bands and acts like that, because I know that side of the business. Yeah. Um, and then also, literally working with lifestyle brands, and you know, incorporating music into their flow of things. You know, like being a DJ and and 
working with a corporate brand, which you know, I, I work with T-Mobile a lot, and I've yeah. worked with like Samsung. I've, I've worked with Microsoft. I've worked with some pretty, pretty big like tech brands. Yeah. And the stuff that you do with them, it's it's not just getting up there and just DJing for a bunch of people. I mean, there's conversations. There's there's shit to you gotta build. Curate an experience. Curation of an experience that goes from so much more than just the music to the to the sound to the ambiance to the smell to the environment yeah. to the people that are even going to come to it. You know, it's it's so much more. And you know, utilizing my previous experiences in fashion and in marketing, it's into this. This is a perfect culmination of everything. You know, absolutely. I mean, I, I love it. I, I simply love it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's such a, a a a window of freedom and opportunity. Yeah. You know, music forever be there. Absolutely. Forever. Yeah. You know, so you know, it was risky, but um, but it's been so rewarding, and it's and it's only getting bigger and better. Every year has gotten bigger and better. It's awesome. You know, and success not just ranged on the, the financial um, blessing, but on the type of gigs, the, you know, the perception, the, you know, the, the other platforms that I've, I've been given opportunities to, you know, embark on, you know, yeah. speaking at colleges now, you know, about entrepreneurship, you know, and, and, you know, being a, being willing to take a leap on that, you know, that leap of faith. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's been amazing what this, what this is, uh, the opportunities it's brought for me and the other doors it's opened. That's incredible. Man, it's, 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 it's wild, man. It's, it's a wild ride. It's such an evolution too, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane, the evolution. Yeah, fellas. What are you looking forward to? What, what, what's in the horizon? Huh. Well, in the immediate... Check me out on AMAs, motherfucker. Oh. Hey. <laughs> we took it from the fucking... <laughs> no way. From the Rose Bowl to the AMAs. The Rose Bowl to the AMAs, bro. Oh, man. Next, next time Doug's next, next time on the podcast, he's going to be like, Super Bowl, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, you know we've done that twice. <laughs> Shout out to H-Wood Group. You know hey. how we do. First year was with Drake. Second year was with uh, Little Weezy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, it's um like I said, a lot, a lot of great things coming along. Um, you know, my partnership with T-Mobile is, is just flourishing into becoming like a, a really bigger, bigger presence with them. Incredible. Um, you know, next year will be my third year working with the United States Latin Chamber of Commerce on behalf of T-Mobile, curating yeah. their experience uh, oh, for their incredible. weekend-long event. Um. This next tour that I did, I just came off of a tour called In Crowd, where it was for 16 dates. I only could do 10 due to traveling, so looking forward to that again next year in 2017. Awesome. Um, more residencies, and uh, there is a there is a nice project that's in development right now. Word. That, uh, unfortunately, you, I cannot. No, do you like how I automatically just kept it at that? Like, cool. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Got you. Watch out for that, y'all. Well, yeah. We got another one. We'll, we'll hear about another, another one. one. On, the next, <laughs> on the next episode. Episode two coming to you. Get it. Deb, I want to ask you something. And, 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 and this is in summation of this incredible story that, like, I'm still blown back by it. <laughs> Thank you, man. What would you tell your younger you right now? Like, looking back on, on all that and, and, and essentially, like, 
I guess the younger you that I'm speaking of is a shadow for the kid that 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 that's out there just searching, right? If 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 you were to be able to like write yourself a little note that you could literally mail back in time, like what 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 would that be for you? That's a wonderful question to wrap this all up. Um, if I could talk to the younger me, I would tell him to be more fearless. I would tell him to believe in himself more. Mm. I would tell him to. I would tell him to really enjoy and really embrace the moments yeah. and the opportunities that are given to you. And don't ever take any of it for granted because as easy as it comes, it goes even quicker <laughs> and faster. I would say never, never allow yourself to be held or caught into someone else's perception of you. Mm. Because that can hold you back from a lot of things. That could hold you back forever. And I would say, live even more. Live way more. Travel more. Converse more. Cry more. Smile more. Talk more. And feel comfortable in what you are and what you have. You know. And honestly, just Try to never forget there's things where, you know, shit's parts of this story that we've talked about that I haven't thought of in a long time, <laughs> you know. And I would say definitely, um, I would definitely tell my younger self to forgive faster. <sighs> yeah. That's what I would tell the younger me. You know it's crazy. That that was the deepest. That was the deepest. <laughs> by far, <laughs> by, by far, man. Forgive faster. Yeah, man. You know it's crazy though. If the younger you could see you now, I'm sure he'd say thank you. Cause you already did it. Yeah. Hey. I'm so happy this story was was told. Like literally, words can't describe my my gratitude and my love for you, just as a mentor and as a human being. Um, and it's it's brilliant for me to to be able to know that that somebody that that has touched my life so so deeply and has has made me challenge my perception of what greatness is can be told. And with that, shall we? Let's hit him with that, Mama. We made it. Mama, we made it. <laughs> Thanks. Good one. <laughs>